With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, how are you? How you feeling? How you doing? Rod Simba with the music. I might lose it. Oh, yeah. Sims on the phone. Sims on the phone. Sims on the phone. Sims, who's the most famous person you've texted in the last week? Ooh. Like, who's a name that me and Fenjerk would go, wish I had that number on my phone? Hmm. Matt Damon? <laughs> no. Uh, Johnny Damon. It's Johnny it, Damon. <laughs> it's probably... Uh, a coach, what level of coach? Coordinator or head? A head coach. Oh, in uh, the last I week. I don't know if you've heard, but I'm kind of a big deal. We know that. <laughs> uh, you, which you texting Belichick on I'm Sunday? I'm not telling you any of. These I only names, have one so, question. Yeah. Which conference? <laughs> the NFC or the AFC or something? Yeah. Ooh, who's the NFC? Oh! oh! One of the sixteen. One of the sixteen. Oh, oh man. That's dope. Um, I have, my wife was just texting me saying there was a flying squirrel in our house. In the house. In the house. How did it get in? I don't know. We're talking like full limbs stretched right. with like webbing in My between. My wife said it was cute as hell. She got it out. Yeah. I didn't even know there was flying squirrels Only in, in the Sims household is right. a flying squirrel in the house cute. Charlotte is I was going gonna to say, be... I would have been FaceTimed with yelling. Oh, yeah. You guys are such wimps. Like, like oh, my gosh, this three-ounce manimal is going to beat me up. There was a, scru- a scrunched or a squashed cockroach in the train, and right. I literally was like, oh, God, oh, my God, get it away from me. It was like this one. She's saying she sent a picture of that. Oh, a little nut eater. Yeah. That's cute. See, this is what happens. Lefko and I plan the podcast, and we go, the intro, two minutes, then we're talking about Dez. And then we got a flying squirrel in the house, and next thing we know, Bye, the podcast uh, is three Oh, yeah, hours. I'll start with Dez, okay? All right, you ready? Want to talk about Dez? Hey, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Dez. Dez. Let's talk about Dez, baby. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Let's talk about all, all the, the law balls in the end zone <laughs> that Dez will catch. Uh, Josh, what? Did he get signed? I give it yes, something. Official. They signed him? Yes. Great. Josh, what group sings that song that me and Sims just sang? Uh, I don't know. I've been Salt locked. and pepper. Let's talk yeah. about sex. So you didn't know Des got signed to I the Saints? I didn't know officially, no. Lefko's number I've one takeaway. i in my closet. Okay, chill. <laughs> number <laughs> one takeaway that I took about Des going to the Saints. Yes. I love Sean Payton, mm-hmm. and I love the Saints for this reason. Yeah. You beat the Rams. Everyone crowns you the king of the NSC. Right. You are celebrated all week long. Right. And the first thing you do after the game is we have an issue with our third wide receiver position. Right. Let's improve on it. Right. And I got to see the Rams, and they're really good. And yes. I'm not sure we can beat them that same way again. There are some teams that will rest on their laurels, right. and there are others that will go, let's admit where we are weak and right. fix it. Mm-hmm. What are your first opinions about Des to the Saints? Uh, perfect fit for Des. Great job by him. Very fortunate that this opportunity came about for himself because I mean, you know, he's he was he was in no man'sville here. Uh, I mean, 
if they don't get them, all two tickets to No Man'sville. No Man'sville, I not mean, No Man's Land. No Man'sville. No Man'sville. Okay, and I yeah, I was wondering whether he was going to ever be able to sign to a team, but I do think he fits really well with the Saints. Um, first of all, like New England, he's going to walk in there and go, okay, they win, they don't need me. So I don't need to rah rah. Drew Brees is giving the speech. Exactly right. I don't yes. need to command the football or anything because Michael Thomas is better than me. Alvin Kamara is better than me, and they have Drew Brees who's better than me as well. But and Taysom Hill's better than and, me. And, right, and he's very good. <laughs> but yes, they have a third receiver. I, I mean, I'm still at the point where I see number 80 on the field, White Boy Supreme Car, and I'm like, wait, who is this guy? Who is this guy over here? That's so lined they up? really needed this. Yes, because Cameron Meredith, like I told you, I think on Monday has never truly recovered from his knee injury with the Bears last year, so he hasn't quite got up to 100%, and they do truly need him, and I think he fits with what their offense is. I mean, they are... Um, again, not a bombs away defense, and I know people are going to go. Well, he threw a seventy-two yard touchdown. Yeah, but it was really a it was like a twenty-five catch. yard yeah. throw, right? And then he was open after that. That's where they live. They live in that you know fifteen to thirty yard range of throws, and you have Des Bryant and Michael Thomas. Okay, so you want to double? You want to double Michael Thomas? Oh, okay, great. That's great. But you know, then you have to deal with Des Bryant, who's widely known as one of the best 50-50 back shoulder ball catchers and Drew Brees uh, invented is I would I don't, say, I would say Phil Sims did honestly really I would say Phil Sims put that down in the Phil Sims questions for when he's on later I by the way say, Phil Sims is back right. back so but, he invented what do you let, yeah. well okay let's save it all right we'll go, we'll go to it later but either but, way but so I now think you have Drew, Drew Brees, Brees so what you're saying yeah. to what you're saying is you're still right Drew Brees is the greatest back shoulder back shoulder thrower there is. I mean, he start. I, I don't want to say he started he the did, wave. He did start the wave, this recent wave. He definitely right. did. There's Marcus no question. Marcus Colston and all right. those guys. And think about those guys. Those are guys, again, Marcus Colston. You 50-50 know, guys. Right, 50-50 guy. Oh, he'll run over the middle and catch tough balls in traffic. Right. And that, that's what they look for. It's multiple. It's what they do on offense, and now you can't just – pigeonhole one guy to go oh he does this and he does this i think you're seeing that more around the nfl more now than ever than going you know the old days we have the guy that goes fast and we have the guy that goes underneath right no now it's more of like we have robert woods and brandon cooks and cooper cup and they all do the same thing and you have no freaking clue where they're coming from right and i think that's why he fits well there it's i this could be do you think it could be a big signing I think could uh, it be impactful? I do. I think it because the impactful. name seems impactful. Yeah, I just didn't know how impactful it would be for them. No, I, I do. I think that you know it, they'll take it slow, but he's going to find a role in this offense. Mm. I, I will say this: I do like the fact that Michael Thomas is a mismatch problem. Yeah, Ka- Alvin Kamara is a mismatch problem. Right, and then you add somebody like Dez, even if it's just in the red zone. Yeah, and I, I also have to say this: I can imagine. Dez has got to be hungry as hell right. right now. And this was like the dream. This is what he's talked about. I want to go to a contender, a team that's going to be involved. This is where he can now, again, if things go right, set the market for himself the way he would I'm like just to in the offseason. this year. Yeah. Because well, you know saying, what he's going to be with the Saints that he never got with the Cowboys? What? A chance to win playoff games. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is also going to set him up, as yeah. what I'm saying, for the bigger payday. But, yeah, it's it's uh, it really is cool. And the Saints, just, you know, if you had to quickly break down their offense and their pass attack, right? It's slants. Yep. It's in cuts over the middle. Yep. It's deep crossers, and it's back shoulder or fade balls. And wheels. Yeah, wheels, right. Which is what I almost call back shoulder okay. or fade balls. Kind of okay. the same type of concept in right. general but yes a developing exactly outside right. throw right right where if he gets on top of him it's a go route and where if he's all, the backers on top of him it's a back shoulder my only other question about des yeah 
you know, Jerry Jones probably has the Bleacher Report app. He gets the alert that Dez signs with the Saints. Yeah. How do you think Jerry's reacting to this? I don't think... To his former coach, right. Sean Payton, right. who was in the Cowboys organization. Yeah. His team on Monday night scores 14 points against the Titans. What do you think Jerry's thinking with Dez signing to the Saints? To an he, offense that's really capable. Yeah, I think he's thinking, oh no, this could get really thrown back into my face here. It has to. Yeah, because once the Cowboys... If, if, if Dez has a December, right, where all of a sudden it's like, man, Dez is getting like six catches a game for... 85 yards why and Alan Hearns right, exactly. has one why, catch. Why do we let him go? I don't understand it. And, that, and that's that's what will happen. That will be the conversation. I just wanted to see really quick before I moved on how that how that comment do. What, wonder, uh, uh, it, didn't, it didn't do well. Something happened to it. Oh, it got bumped out. Yeah, it got bumped out. All right. Well, me, and, me and Fedrick believe we, in comments on Instagram. And what were you guys doing? We just I commented under this Des picture that Jerry Jones was shitting his pants, and I wanted to see how it was going to do. <laughs> Sometimes I like to call my shot and go, this will be a 3,000-like comment, because we got pretty good at it. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to basic Sims Constitution. Back. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is, is the, the greatest, greatest quarterback, quarterback we've ever seen. seen. We had an experience with Landon Collins on the show. Check yeah. it out. YouTube, Sims and Lefko, the show. And 8 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday nights. Very good. 8 p.m. Eastern. YouTube and the BR app. Yeah. Uh, where Landon Collins told us that we said, you know, who's an offensive player that sticks out? And he went right to Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And it made us happy. Yeah. And he told a story about Aaron Rodgers giggling and looking at him. He gets to the line of scrimmage. He sees Landon standing in a certain spot, and he laughs, and Landon goes, oh, crap. Starts running back immediately, too late, Devontae Adams' touchdown. Then, apparently, the McCourty twins had a similar story. This is via Tom Curran in New England. Jason McCourty said that from Sunday's game, Sunday night's game, early in the game, Devin McCourty and Deron Harmon were disguising something, but they got out of it right before Green Bay was about to snap, and he said that Rodgers saw it, and he held the snap as they backed off, and he was laughing. So Aaron Rodgers apparently is looking at defensive backs in the NFL. We've and now heard laughing this at them. Two different defensive backs two or two different teams right. going, he laughs at us. Yeah. Have you ever laughed at anybody? No. Have you ever heard of quarterbacks laughing at anybody? Well, yeah. Like Cam Newton last year. Like, oh, oh you like that? Oh, you study film? You study film? study this. Yeah. Because only the physical freaks of the world can play the game like that. You know, again, they they can have fun and be good because they go, damn, I'm so good. This is fun. This is like the backyard. Oh, Sunday Night Football's here. Great. This is awesome. I'm still going to be awesome. Oh, you're blitzing. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. I'll get to the right check. Where, like, hey, as awesome as a Peyton Manning and a Brady are, they didn't have that physical ability to just be that relaxed They're counting and loose. The, millis- the milliseconds. They are. They're more like advantage. computer. Right. Exactly right. It's computer. And I got to get to this. And I got to do that. And I got to do this. And I got to do that. Did you and see I got to continue. Well, I, I mean. We're, we're going to get to it. Yeah. There's a lot of disguises that you've noticed in the there, film. There is a lot of disguises. There really is. But I've seen instances like this with Rodgers during games where, you know, he smiles or he's pointing out the mic and he looks at him like you just catch a close up or whatever it is. And. Yeah, that's, you know, I always go back to 
my dad was like the first one that ever taught me that. I was like, oh man, I mean, dad, Michael Jordan just like smiles and have fun. And he goes, well, Christopher, when you're the best player in the league, it's easy. I mean, he can, he can enjoy it. And uh, that's what those kind of physical freak guys can do. Any defenders smile at you? Like, you, like I, I want to cancel out the stories you've already told yeah. that I know. Okay. I know about Zach Thomas and those guys yeah. calling out the play. Right. Ray Lewis. I know about Ray Lewis, yeah. you know, going, it's fun right. out here. Right. I know Ed Reed kind Ed of. Ed Reed, like, baited me a few times. Right. He thought he was going to pick me, and he was looking at me. I had it. And I was like, nope, I saw you, even though he might have had it. I don't but know. But is there <laughs> anyone, any time else, though, that people were just smiling? Um. Teddy Bruschi, I can remember playing New England, and I started to be like, damn, they're all... I started to like mess with my hands underneath the center because we were doing silent counts. I was trying to do stuff like that. He was communicating a few times, and I knew I had like a dummy snap count on it. I'd be like, but if I, but if I side! And he was like, get ready real quick. <laughs> and we'd look at each other, and he'd, like, he'd smile. Like Little moments like that certainly... Where it, like humanity somehow humanity peeks into the gridiron. Humanity peeked in. Like, Bruschi was like, oh, you, you caught me stressed out there for a second. <laughs> that was yeah. a good one, right? Yeah. Oh, damn, I'm going to sack you anyway. So, yeah, you did sack me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, those are ones that jump out to me. But, like, other great star players that I played with, like Brandon Marshall in his prime, he could be like that. You know, oh, well, you know, okay, he once he got the ball, because he was yeah. angry until he got the ball. Yeah. But then once he got the ball, he could, like, you know, he'd watch a receiver or a DB come up and get ready to jam him. He'd look at him and he'd, like, laugh. <laughs> Point at him like you think That's you're gonna awesome. jam me? Great, good, good luck. I, I feel like Talib was like that. Steve Smith sure. had that. I mean, he could talk. The guys that I told can that ta- story, right? I don't know if you did. With Steve Smith, Carolina, 2005. It's I'm starting down there. NFC it, South in the early 2000s. Oh, Honestly, it was good. Was some of the best shit ever because the good. characters on those teams were absurd. Peppers, Vic, Steve Smith. Yeah. right. It was. It was good. Our team had a ton yeah. of characters, but. He came over to the sideline on like a third down, and, and he ran over, and Gruden's sitting right there, and he goes, Hey, Gru, watch me fuck your DBs up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he caught a first down, and that was like, and spinned it on the ground. And like, you know, of course, Gruden loved it, actually. Oh, he hated sure. it, but he loved it. I kind of like that Steve Smith. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. You know, we all loved it. We were all sitting over there on the sidelines going, like, damn, that's awesome. I, I, I wonder when Aaron reached that point where he went, I'm confident enough to smile and stuff. Like, when did the game slow down? That's yeah. what I'm always curious Super about. Super Bowls wins. Super Bowl wins at an early point of your career can lead to the flourishing of greatness. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Because the pressure's gone. The pressure's gone. Amendment number two. Amendment number two. Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan is our, our favorite coach, coach in, in the, the NFL. NFL. Look, man, you always got to bring it back to where you started, right. the amendments. Uh, Nick Mullins... The kid continues to make me laugh. Starting quarterback. I did. About tell wanting Kyle to shut the hell yeah. up in the headset? Fucking obsessive compulsive Shanahan. Shut up. All right, so here's the quote, and then Sims, you break it down. Right. This is from David Lombardi, The Athletic. Uh, apparently, Kyle has a... No, no. So Nick has a one-way radio in his helmet where he hears Kyle, obviously. Mullins was so ready to call plays versus the Raiders that according to George Kittle, he kept saying, does Kyle ever shut up in the huddle while Kyle was still talking? Kittle said the entire Niners huddle exploded in laughter whenever Mullins jokingly talked back to Shannon because obviously <laughs> Shannon can't hear, can't hear. Right. So Kyle's like, all right, don't forget that you're going to have the slot. And Nick's like, all right, Kyle, I'm probably going to get the arm. That's great. So first thing... <laughs> 
Um, <clears throat> I totally understand Kyle over talking. Yeah. This kid has ne- the fact that this kid has never played in the NFL before, even though all these stories are coming out that he's kind of a savant yeah. and he knows the offense. You told us better yeah. than any of the other quarterbacks. Right. Uh, it makes sense that Kyle's going, don't forget to look off the safety. And then also you're right. going to have the check down, blah, blah, blah. Right. But that's so Kyle. So Kyle. He's, it's really Kyle's more stressed than the actual quarterback who's playing in the game. Because Kyle's like, listen, my plays are perfect. Yes, right. Don't and, mess it up. And don't mess it up in the huddle. I mean, Kyle is, you know, again, what I call a good psycho. He's a, he's a great psycho he, in, in the best of ways. But the offense is his baby. He's uh, obsessive compulsive to, like, to a fault at times because he's that crazy. And, yeah, he's probably saying the play in his ear yeah, twice. Yeah. And then giving him like two reminders about the play, and Nick Mullins is being like, "Dude, Nick I Mullins s- is like, let me just say it to the team so I can have more time at the line of scrimmage and, or, to read the right. defense, or say a few things to a few guys as you break the huddle. You go, hey, chip the D end here. Don't forget to chip the D end. Or hey, wait before I motion you. I'm going to give you the light. like. There's little things that always go when on. When I see a quarterback look to the sideline yeah. and with his hands go, "Come on, come on," right? Are they? What are they typically saying? Is that them going just get them, it out, get out fa- faster? Tell me the play faster. We're taking too long. I want more time. I want a little bit more time. All right, and then what do you think about Nick Mullins it's saying awesome. this to the team? You like it? I do. Yeah, it's it's not like, you know, those are things where it's not disrespectful to the coach. It's not. It's not. It's not disrespectful. The coach, Kyle, and I haven't talked to Kyle, I would be shocked if that was the way. I did this stuff to Gruden where, I mean, you can go back and see games where I'm in the huddle doing this because I'm going. Waving them off. I'm going, shut the, I'm in the huddle going, shut the fuck up. I can't even hear myself talk because he's telling me, you know, Falcon right, tight shift, a weak right, Y right, H3, X bingo, Y smash for the third time. And I want to be like, I fucking got it, dude. I've studied all morning. I studied all last night and the five nights before this. You've had me on a chalkboard seven different times during this week writing up plays. You make me get in front of the offense and say plays so I don't mess them up. I got it. That's so like funny. let me play. So you know what Nick's going. Oh, through. definitely. And those things too. Like what I, I guarantee when Kyle hears that, that like they were like, oh, Nick was Nick was roasting. That's my you. last question. Right? Is we know Kyle. Yeah. Is Kyle going to be sensitive about this? No. Or what's he going to be? Not like? at all. I think he's going to look at. It, he's going to smile and go, okay. This it's that's more of a moxie thing. And ooh, ooh, a little this moxie. guy. Well, this kid, I yeah, think, has he does it. He moxie does. on a number of levels. Yeah. One, the fact that he's a Southern Miss kid, right. With Brett Favre, and he's got a little bit of that accent. Yeah. The post that we put up of him yelling to the team, right? You could tell the team's like, I kind of like this kid a little bit. Yes, he's got some chutzpah. Chutzpah. Moxie. Chutzpah. Moxie is the varsity blues of chutzpah. Chutzpah. Yes. So yeah, it, Johnny. It, that, that'll be a thing where like, yeah, even when Gruden, I, you know, I know guys told him that I was kind of like saying those things. You know, he laughed like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's, uh, it's yeah, almost like yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. my soldier. You know, yeah, he's, he's got it. He's good. He doesn't. And then name my other question is, yeah. Do we have a quarterback controversy when Jimmy G gets back? Oh no, <laughs> we're not there yet. No, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But no, I thought I thought that was a really really cool story. Uh, you saw George Kittle was so excited that he got followed by Travis Kelsey. Oh, I did not. Know I already that. talked to our producers. I said I want to go and hang out with Travis Kelsey with George Kittle. Oh, that'd be cool, right? Yeah, I mean Kittle is I think maybe the the most loved guy on the 49ers team. Everybody loves Kittle. Really? I know that. Yeah, he's just... Well, when we were there, like, we love him, too. Yeah, of course. You could see it. He's a hard worker. He's honest, and he loves football. He he has the Gronk quality about, I can block, 
and I, I'm not a soft tight end, yep. but I'm a really good receiver, and I'm just a bro. Yeah, I'm always here right. for a good time. You're never going to have George Kittle in the locker room with his hand, head in his hands be like, what's wrong? And be like, I'm just not feeling it today. Yeah, right. You know, he's just, it's yeah. a good guy to have in the locker room. It is. There's no doubt. Because you kind of go, when does this turn off? Yep. All right, so I haven't seen this yet, and I'm a little bit nervous. Me and Josh went out, got a cup of coffee, and I said, you know, he was like, I want to power rank the teams. And I go, I'm always more interested, now that we're nine weeks in, yeah. who is even capable of winning the Super Bowl? Yep. So I'm going to caution all of the fan bases right now. Raiders fans that hit me up on Twitter and say lay off, you're not winning the Super Bowl. Niners fans, where you are, maybe the Cowboys, you're not winning the Super Bowl. So if you don't hear your team right now, fast it, forward, it could hurt your heart. I'm sorry. We are naming, and you came up with a list, and I didn't know how many teams you were going to have. You thought I would come up with nine? Is that what you thought? My, I just didn't know. How many teams, Sims, do you believe are actually capable of winning the Super Bowl this season? Right. Uh, What's I, the total number? I believe ten. You believe through nine weeks of the year yes. there are ten teams, which means there are 22 teams not capable of winning the Super right. Bowl. Some playoff teams that I don't think are going to be capable. And Josh just blacked them out. I literally can't see them. I purposely... Way to go, kid. Way I do go. not know. Right. But I want to go. It's the rare time that Lefko wants to go 1 to 10. How are you doing that? You in a Google Doc? Or yeah, a Google, Google Doc. Doc. Yeah. We're real nerdy. <laughs> but I don't want to go 10 to 1 because I think the story here is who are the teams that can win. I know that you think the Rams, they're your number one team. Right. So we're doing reverse power rankings for the first time in my life. Okay. I've fought for this. So you believe that the Rams are the number one team right now in Sims's power rankings. They are. I still am going to put them as the best team in football. I just think with those weapons, Aqib Talib will be back healthy. The addition of Dante Fowler, you know, again, I know everybody's going to look at it and go, man, their defense, though, it's scary. Yeah, okay, it's scary. But they don't, you know, they're, this is Wade Phillips. He's not into, like, leading the league and and yards per game. You know, they know the concept of what their team is. A lot like Kansas City, they don't want teams going on 14-play drives for nine minutes. They want to go, we'd like our offense back on the field, make a play or give up a play, and let's get this let's game get going. Back. Right. Number two. Yeah. The Patriots. Yes, sir. Yep. The Do New we- England Patriots, uh, you know, after those two out of the first three games lo- lo- losses, I mean – well, what can you argue about? The defense has come alive. They do the proper things on a weekly basis. They're they the scariest run. team in the NFL yeah, today right they now. they got a good – I thought about making them one, but I thought about with them against the Rams, mm. I think that is one matchup where the Patriots actually, like, just right at the surface level, I go, ooh, that could be trouble even for Billy Ball game in that one. Number three. Yeah. Run game, Not Brady. the Chiefs. Not the Chiefs. Wow, not in the top three. And boy, do they look good. But you're going yeah. Saints at number three. Yeah, I'm going to go the Saints over the Chiefs. I mean, again, the Chiefs are awesome too. But uh, I just go the Saints. It's still Drew Brees, the toughness of that offensive line. Um, you trust their defense more I than the Chiefs? I trust their defense a little bit more than the Chiefs. I do. And I just I looked at that one and I go like, all right, so if they had to play head-to-head, would that be a great game? Don't get me wrong. I go, I think I just have to take like Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and too. the toughness of their team – in that matchup. Boy, do we like doubting the Chiefs all year long. But you know what? It's not doubting The them. Chiefs are set up for a decade. They don't need to win it this year. By the way. Yeah, go ahead. I, I guess I'm going to go to this. You have the Chiefs at four. Right. I told you guys. Yeah. Six weeks ago. It happens. It's happened this it's week. It's happened fucking, this week. Yeah. It's fucking happening right now. Right. 
the Drew Brees MVP campaign, even though he threw for 120 yards in a win two weeks ago, forget about Gurley, forget about Mahomes. I'm seeing NFL Network. I'm seeing all these people going, it's a lifetime achievement award. He's never won it before. Patrick Mahomes, like... What he's doing right now, he has 29 touchdowns in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. He's going to break every record. He's on pace to break all of the records. Yes. But yet, Drew Brees. I, I just, pa- Drew Brees is in Patrick, the top three. Right. He's in the top five right. right now for MVP voting. But he is not number one. No. No way. Not even close. No. I, and, um, yeah, I mean, like It's just said, funny to watch it happen. And I hate how people say that, too. Like, oh, you know, okay, the you know Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, Patrick Mahomes has years to go. You don't know what's going to happen. No Dan, idea. Dan, Dan Marino played in the Super Bowl his second year, and he said, I'm going to be back here a lot, and he never went. Like, shut up with that crap. You don't know. Yes. That's bull crap. It's, it's insane to say he has the potential to win more. Yeah. This may be his best chance. You thought that the, not you, the proverbial you, the right. royal you, thought that the Dallas Cowboys with Dak and Zeke were going to have 10 times more chances to get a run at a Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I don't know if they're going to get one. You get another playoff. How right. quickly that turn has tabled. Right. Oh, you know, that's a good thing. The, the MVP thing is, is really a good com- 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 conversation, though. I mean, of course, Mahomes and Gurley are still at the top of the list for me. You know, who do you go from from there? Like Cordero Patterson. I'm just going to throw a guy like Philip Rivers deserves to start being in that conversation. Okay. Okay. I mean, he does. He deserves to be in it at least. Um, Matt Cam Ryan. Newton. Yeah. Cam Newton, a hundred percent. Right. Right. And then Drew Brees. I think those are the guys. Like, I'm not going to put Matt Ryan. They're four and four. He's doing some awesome crap. I, and we'll I get feel to like that. I'm more predicting that in like when they win like three of their next four or something like that, all of a sudden like they're in a playoff. If that race. happens, then yeah. the, the, he can be in that combo. Uh, and then do not forget about Andy Dalton. Just right. kidding. All right. I haven't seen number five yet. Number five. You do number four. We did the Chiefs. The okay. Chiefs are four. It yeah. came five. up. Yep. Number five is the Carolina Panthers. Yes, sir, Bob. I would say that right now your top five is – w- let me just see. Is number six the Chargers? It is not. It is not? All right, then don't reveal it just dun, yet. Dun, dun, don't, dun. Look, don't look, don't look. I didn't look. All right, number five is the Panthers. Give me your little quick breakdown. Well, the Panthers – Why are they number five? Uh, the defense is very good, okay? It's still Keekly. I think the d- thing that separates their defense this year from years past, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, is the fact that Bradbury is on the edge and Dante Jackson. They could play more man this year than in years past. Dante Jackson yes. ran a 4-3-2, right. went to LSU, right. and he's currently tied for the lead in interceptions. Exactly right. He's a baller. The the Panthers are really good at drafting mid to late round. They are backs. really good. And, uh, and I look at Cam Newton, the weapons they finally have on offense, their O-line, uh, they found the right combination of guys having, after dealing with some injuries early on. Yeah, I think the Panthers are are definitely the fifth best team in football. And number six, the team that they face off with on Thursday night, the Steelers. You get yeah. the Steelers over the Chargers. I do. I, that was a tough one. That really was. I really went there with just more of a proven commodity thing. Like, the Chargers have blown a lot of football games over the last few years. And uh, the Steelers you know, do find a way to win those tough ones. They really do. I just thought about it. Man, I if I had to Big put a ben, match right, yeah. if they had to play man, if they had to play game versus game, I just go, man, Big Ben. It doesn't matter if he's playing in L.A. Yeah. or Pittsburgh. He don't give a damn. Yeah. And Antonio Brown and Mike T. You know, again, you know that they, they he's really freaking good too. And what they're doing on defense is really good. I just realized something. Yeah. I'm going to make a prediction. Yeah. That at some point, either at the end of the regular season or in their playoff run, Anthony Lynn 
is going to get a little too conservative in a very big game. So I want you to save this and bookmark it. Anthony Lynn, I love as a coach. Great interior offensive line run game. Believes in strong defense, protecting the ball. Tomlin knows how risky you got to be. Unfortunately, this is going to be my Chargers prediction. Anthony Lynn gets kind of tight, and in that big game, kind of reels it in a little bit. And that's the reason they lose a game. Yeah, that's I mean, my that's my November seventh prediction. Well, that, we haven't seen them in those situations, and that's so why that's I feel thing because too, right. your point there yeah. about the Steelers, Tomlin has been there. They're battle tested. They're battle tested. Yes, and so you have the Chargers number yeah, seven. Yeah, and I also look at the Chargers and go like the defense. What you talk about? Okay, the great pass rush. Damn that that Steelers O line's good. Yeah, They're good. Is. They're not going to let is. like Bosa and company just ruin a game. I, I would have a hard time believing that. So that's why I just gave them the edge. I could see bit. this being an experienced gaining year for the Chargers. All right, so now we're getting to the teams where I don't know who you're going to pick. Yeah. I don't know the order. So we have three teams left that you believe could win the Super Bowl. Yep. Listeners, is your team one of them? Could you reach behind you and get the Oracle really quick? Oh, I didn't realize that was my I didn't realize it either, and I just thought if you're going to be doing predictions, the Oracle must have his crystal ball. Number eight, Sims. Look towards the future. Who is your eighth team that is capable of winning the Super Bowl this year? Uh, hold on. I forgot what I had as eight. Um, you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you very much. Yes. yes. So you I, think the Eagles are capable? Yes, I do, too. I do. Um, I look at the Philadelphia Eagles as, okay, they lost some games early on. They didn't play their best football. Nick Foles was in there. Carson Wentz is back. He's been playing awesome the last few weeks. Even the Carolina Panther game, he played awesome. I know he did. He threw the pick at the end. But I look that with the addition of Golden Tate, what you guys got up front on both sides of the football. Yeah, I look at this team as still one of the best teams of football. I think ultimately they're going to win the NFC East. They play a lot of these teams that are in front of them. And they, they get the face of the face in the playoffs right. too. They're set up to get in. I, I really do. And once they get in, man, to me, I just have a little bit more faith in them than the two teams that are going to be behind them. I'm going to say this right now. Yeah. I am very cautious when I usually talk about the Eagles. Yeah. I usually bet against them because I don't want to jinx them. Right. I bet against them to start the season. I had the Cowboys winning the division, yeah. and that hasn't proven so to be wrong. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay because predictions are ridiculous. I am saying this right now. The Philadelphia Eagles are the defending champions, and they're about to go on a run to remind everybody, and it's going to get ugly. The Eagles are about to go on a really, really pretty run right now, and I want to state this for the record. The Eagles... Stating a lot of record things today, The Eagles have the best quarterback in the NFC. He's better than Drew Brees. He's better than Cam Newton. He's better than Jared Goff. He's better than Matt Ryan. Okay. Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the NFC. They have the second best defensive line in the NFC. Yeah. They have the third best offensive line in the NFC. And I'm telling you right now that the cast of characters that receive the ball is in top three in the NFC as well. Now with Golden Tate, Alshon, Zach Ertz. That is a really good mismatch for what they're trying to do. Yes. But one thing that everyone's sleeping on right now, Darren Sproles' bracket practice, Mm -hmm. Timmy Jernigan is back at practice. Oh, Timmy J. 
Mark Michael Bennett and yep. Fletcher Cox are about to remind all of you fools who is the defending champion. Yeah. You're 19 capable of winning the NFL's championship, the Super Bowl. You have the Vikings. I do. Capable of winning the Super Bowl. I do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the defense is still in the conversation for one of the best in football. What they do just with their front four. Of course, the secondary is awesome. The linebackers are good. So they have the capabilities on any given day to really make life hard on any offense. And, you know, again, their offense as a whole is not as good as last year, but they are turning the corner in my eye a little bit. The run game has come alive. I've not, I think I've said that like three podcasts in a row, but I do. I believe it. I could see it. And between that and what Kirk Cousins does throwing the football, yeah, with Thielen and Diggs on the outside, uh, I, I give them a chance to mm. win the Super Bowl. I mean, not that the, I would put money on that, but... You see them as capable. They are capable. They'd have to fall into the right matchups and certain things like yeah. that. But yes, it's 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 a possibility. We now have one team left. Yeah, that Did you Chris already know who Sims, it is. I do not. No, is capable. Do not show it to me yet. Yep, say the word. I am sitting here looking at five teams. Okay, give me hear it. I want to hear what you think. Here are five teams mm-hmm. that you are picking between that could be the team. Yes, are the Packers capable of winning the Super Bowl? Are the Bears capable of winning the Super Bowl? Are the Texans capable of winning the Super Bowl? Are the Ravens capable of winning the Super Bowl? Are the Seahawks capable of winning the Super Bowl? I'm looking at these teams right now. I'm not even saying the Bengals. I'm not even going to go down and say the Jaguars. I'm not even going to say the Titans right now. You have one spot left. Yeah. And there are five teams that I think could be an interesting argument. Mm -hmm. Chris Sims. Who is your 10th and final team that, that you believe is capable of winning the Super Bowl? Deshaun Watson. The Houston Texans now at 6-3. He's and three. so freaking awesome. Mm. Yeah. So, hold on. Why would you delete that? So, okay. You don't think the Packers are capable? No. You do not believe the Bears are capable? Nope. Wow. Yeah, the Bears could be a pain in the butt. Yet? Yeah, it's just they're not ready yet. It's too young of a football team. I can't put them in that class. Ravens, you're selling. Yeah, done. Just can't do it. Just just can't do it, Captain. Don't and have the, the power. And the, and the Seahawks, no dice. Seahawks, it, you know, yeah, it's just... Um, Seahawks could be a problem, and they could maybe sneak into the playoffs. Sneak into the playoffs, maybe upset one team along the way. I just don't see how they could do that. I don't think their defense is as good as what everybody thinks, once again. But the Texans yeah. have all the necessary pieces. Mm-hmm. An amazing front seven. Yes. Secondary that tackles well and can defend. Right. And a defensive coaching staff that's smart enough to drop them back. Right. They have an offensive line that you believe is outperforming. Mm-hmm. And you have a quarterback that can do anything and a wide receiving core that can get it done. Exactly right. I They're, get it. Yeah. The Texans are made for playoff football. The they Texans, just have one problem. Yeah. I mean, is Bill O'Brien going to come up with an offense yeah. that can scare people? I hear you. That's right. You know, I read your notes. I know. Yeah, that is, that is a big issue, though. That, that would be the biggest question about their football team is just if they have to play other great defenses, can they come up with enough plays to you know scheme some things open? It can't always be Watson and Hopkins making unbelievable wow. plays and catches. What, do you want to say something? No, no, no. Oh, I thought you were getting ready to say Taking something. a deep breath. But they are... 
Yeah, they're they're made for playoff football. I mean, yes. you know, they could make a game ugly against Kansas City. And then, okay, damn, Kansas City and Mahomes, he's tricked. And they're doing all these weird things on and the defensive JJ side. And Cloudy and, and only rushing three or pressure. four. Right, and they're getting pressure. And then you go, oh, well, yeah, well, I forgot. Kansas City's defense sucks. It's Deshaun Watson, and they can run the ball. And they got and Hopkins. Lamar Miller and Hopkins. Right, yeah. so they could do that. And, you know, they could be a pain in the butt for, like, a Patriots team as well. You know, we have seen the Texans exactly. in Foxborough right. pain in the butt. Let's talk about Monday Night Football because the Cowboys, the team that we had winning the NFC East, were eliminated. But mm-hmm. guess what? I don't want to talk about the Cowboys right yeah. away. We have this thing in our country. There are a few teams, the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Raiders, the Patriots, yeah. that when these teams lose by 14, even though you beat them by 14, no one talks about you at all. All they talk about is, damn. This team fell apart. This is a Titans team that is four and four. They have they were like one decision away from maybe upsetting the Chargers and being five and three. Yep. And most importantly, they're two and zero oh in the AFC South. Mm. They've beaten the Texans. Right. And I don't think any of us are sitting here going the Texans are going to go on a run right now. Yeah. If anything, we're going the Texans are going to come back to earth. Well, guess what? They play the Texans again. They play the Colts twice. They play the Jets at home. They play at the Giants at home against Washington. Yeah. They have the Jags one more time too, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. But I'm saying out of conference yeah. or out of division, right. they could be the Giants with the Washington just die. That's a win. Yeah. Jets should be a win. The, the Colts twice. Yeah. That's five. Yeah. Now you're nine and four. Yeah, I get you. I like, get you. The, the they could t- easily lose to the Colts twice too. They absolutely could. You know I mean? But I'm just sitting here looking at at one the storyline that the demise of the Cowboys always outweighs the success of sure. wow the Titans were on a bye and right. Mariota's finally running the ball right. and wow I like the way the last two weeks they've been using Deion Lewis in third and fourth quarters to move the ball down the field and man there goes Corey Davis again stretching out an, a defense mm-hmm. like and that that pass rush with Harold Landry getting the Dak at the end of the game yeah. All we want to talk about is Malcolm Butler sucks. Yeah. And the Cowboys are imploding. Right. It's just funny to me. It is funny. And it's not, you know, hey, Malcolm Butler certainly has not been as good this year as he has other years. But again, I just like everybody to recognize with Malcolm Butler, just look how many times he's playing man to man in the face of a receiver. He probably plays man to man on an island as much or, as much or more than anybody in football. We assume because we've played Madden, right. that you can put man to man, and he's going to be right there with oh, him. Oh, that's right. Yep. You should stay with Amari Cooper. He only runs 4-3 and speak, has a whole field to run around in. Your phrase is, there's like four to five guys that would ever be put in that position. Yeah. One day, maybe next week, yeah. I'm going to have you write down those four to five guys yeah, okay. that truly get left on an island. Right. But how difficult is it as a corner to be man to man with no safety help? I mean, okay. Can you put it into layman's well, terms? Like we you he- said this about Marcus Peters. Well, we heard we heard like Nate Burleson uh, the other day tell us that like you know Randy Moss was Usain Bolt with shoulder pads on. I mean, wide receivers are the freakiest people on the planet. We heard Landon Collins tell us the freakiest guy. We asked so who's freakier, Saquon or Odell, and he basically said Odell. They're both freaks, but he said Odell. He said Odell would win a dunk contest. Yeah, Odell would win a dunk contest. There, these are extremely gifted, fluid, like out of this world, explosive athletes that he's being, they're saying, 
hey, that guy that's um, the quickest guy in the five states surrounding us and uh, one of the fastest guys in also those five states, we'd like you to just go out there and like a cheetah, just you know, run him down like he does a gazelle all game long. And if they try to throw him the ball, just stick out one of your paws and knock it away. It's no big deal, right? No big deal. Okay, okay, yeah, sure. And, right. and, and he can go left. He can go right. He goes he everywhere. He can go far. He can go stop because you, you have no help. No. And you have no idea where he's going to go. No, no. Think about Monday night. The the first touchdown of Mark Cooper. Mo- oh yeah, the when first he went one in slant. and out. All right, like what do you call that? that? In Madden, when I was playing, it was called a zig route. It could be a, it's a return route, is what I would have called it. Uh, okay. It's a return route, like a return slant. You're running a slant and then you're returning back yes. outside, right? I liked Cooper's cuts on on Monday. Oh, night. his cuts are goes like, back to the first day we saw him in training camp. Remember, yes. we saw him go off the oh, line of scrimmage, and people. we were like, oh my gosh. By the way, before you get to that yeah, touchdown, yeah. his first slant where he kind of went out a little bit and then slant is that a normal route? I mean, where did he just make that up? Yeah, he makes he's got like out of this world Hall of Fame potential type route running. That's what I was so excited about him yeah. when he came out because the corner just was like, I'm dead. yeah, what do you do? And if you're just a quarterback and you start to get used to his body, <laughs> like, and then he starts doing like a little hop skip, yes. and then he cuts and well, goes. Keenan Allen's the king of the exactly hop skip, exactly right? But he is, he is. Yeah, there's a few teams or few receivers in football that do that right and they Odell. change up it. yeah they yes. change up their body language and you're just like damn i don't know if he's gonna go straight here or right or left but on that play specifically with the slant return like malcolm butler's fine you know there was a mental mistake that was a mental mistake think about the playback if we even go to a highlight right now kenny vaccaro was sitting there inside right there. for the slant he should you have did had not outside need leverage to right you did not need to follow him that way i all texted the way you in. and i was kind of joking right it's it's as though like Malcolm Butler was like disrespected by Bill Belichick, yeah. and every play he goes, "This one's to prove you wrong, Bill." Like he's so aggressive. He has a chip on his shoulder for but sure. That's the way. Don't he you plays. have to? You have to account for the mental mistake, though. In I do. The I account. Right? I account for okay. it for sure. Like it's just been little things like that all year. Even with the other double move for the touchdown, like he knows better not to like yeah. turn so and just look at coached. the quarterback. Yeah, he just he's. He's a little technique things and little intricate details of what's being coached in the meeting room. He's getting caught up in the game and going, I got to get Amari Cooper. And he's forgot that the call there is there's somebody going to be there yeah. for the slant. Don't follow him in. You know, you get caught up in the emotions of the game and you're covering this freak athlete and you forgot, oh, damn, on this call, I didn't have to go inside with him and I did. Damn it. And I feel like that's what's happened to him a number of times. So Cowboys are dead? Yes. Dead. I, I think so. I mean... I had a hard time thinking they could really, like, if they could sneak into the playoffs, okay, great. Like, they weren't going to make a run. Mm-hmm. Not in my eyes. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys are in a – first, I'll give Troy Aikman a lot of credit for what he said. I wanted to know what you wanted to think about a lot your of credit. former hero. A lot of credit. I mean, that's that's not an easy thing. You don't hear – Do you think Jerry Jones was treating Troy Aikman that well? Because I'm going to be real. Yeah. Jerry seems to love these recent guys more than the older guys. Yeah. I'm always seeing him around Romo and Witten and all that stuff. I don't know if Troy was getting that Jerry Jones love recently. Uh, I don't know. It's not that. Okay. I, I think Troy is just he's, – I think he's really trying to send a message to Jerry. I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's going, I love the Cowboys, Jerry, just as much as you. And 
he's trying to politely say you and your family are the problem. I know. That's what he's trying to say. He was trying to say that like Stephen right. Jones and all that stuff, like you're not picking the right guys. You're yeah. not doing the right stuff. Look, when I watch the all or nothing and it's the Jerry Jones family tree, mm-hmm. he's sitting at a table mm-hmm. with his daughter and his two sons and they're the ones planning everything for the Cowboys right, right. from the halftime show to the coaching hires to the draft picks. Right. It's four family members in a room. Yeah. Those are the only fingers that you can point at and go, they're responsible. They have found a guy in Jason Garrett who's a very respectable guy that's willing to let them have that control. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine there's a lot of head coaches that are going to go, I'm okay with this situation. Right. I have said many times, they're in the Monday morning meeting. Yep. Jerry wants to be able to go to the media and explain it because probably in his mind, I can explain it better to the media than the coaches can. I don't think there's any doubt. And I want to say that, as I've always said before, Cowboys fans, the writing was on the wall. Every NFL team runs how the NFL owner ran their former company. Jerry Jones made his money in oil. Let's go and dig over there and see if Amari Cooper can give us oil. Let's dig over there and see if there's anything left in Roy Williams or Keyshawn Johnson or Joey Galloway. Let's dig some oil in that Jalen Smith. Let's try and dig some oil with Zeke. Everything, there's no plan. It's not connected. I imagine that's how you dig for oil. Jerry Jones made his money as an oil tycoon, and he's running the Cowboys the exact same way. Oh, Jason Garrett, you did good in those seven. Let's dig there for eight more years. And then when the well is dry, you blame the well. Yeah. It's the guy digging. And Jerry, you, you, you're not that good of a digger. No. Um, that was good. Clip that out. Let's put that on the Were you going to say something? No. No. The, um, but that's how he runs the team. It is. Well, there's like two things. You know, first of all, I, I like to like remind Jerry, first of all, that they won three Super Bowls when he did have a guy that had a plan. And I mean, I know Barry Switzer won the third one, but that was still Jimmy Johnson's team that he and, won with. And he got rid of him because I think the plan intimidated him. No doubt. He think, wasn't in on the plan. Think back. I'll give food for thought for everybody else here on this, just to tell you what Jerry is. Jerry wants pawns as head coaches, not head coaches. First of all, as a player on a You're team, right. you need to have – the the head coach has to be the power guy. You can't the, the head coach can't be calling the team up and the player be listening to the head coaches and going, wait, is that really what our Jerry coach thinks wants, or is that what mm. Jerry thinks? So there's always going to be that. I also think about hard knocks. They're building Jerry's world a few years ago when they were on hard knocks. And he had a construction guy who was building the stadium and was giving Jerry a hard time. And if anybody remembers correctly, he literally goes to the construction guy. Hey, I, I just got rid of a coach who was always giving me a red ass because he was talking about Bill Parcells. I don't need another one like you. And I, to me, that I was something that always stuck out in wow. my brain that, yeah, you know, Bill was in charge. Jerry had to take a seat in the back and listen and, you know, take notes. And I'm sure Jerry learned a lot, but it killed him to do that. Mm. And as soon as he got the opportunity to go, I'm out of here, I'm going to do this, he did it. And he's... Yeah, it's not a coach problem always. It's an overall cultural problem. That's what Troy Aikman's saying. The Jones do some good things. They're, what they've created is very respectable. And, and they have an eye for talent. 
they do have an eye. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence and yes. you know all these other freak defensive linemen they you have. Strike oil Zach every Martin, now and then, right? They gotta look for what they're looking for, but they need someone else to be the head of planning, and then they can just interject every now and then and give their two cents. You know what they need? Yeah, a Josh Fendrick. They do. Johnny Google Doc. Yes. Uh, one other coaching thing here. So Hugh Jackson apparently in an interview with Schefter said that he's absolutely willing to join another team staff this year if asked as an assistant. And I have an out of left go field. Ooh. I believe he should go and work for the Bengals. And then next week, work for the Texans. And then the week after that, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Bengals, and the Ravens. You know how in the NFL, when a team signs a player cut by a team and they milk them for all they can get? Why can't Hugh Jackson just go and work for whatever team is playing the Browns that week? Right? Get like a week-long check where he goes in there and he goes, look for this and then look for that and then look for this and then you'll be fine. And give him like a nice $100,000 and all right, now you're on to Houston. Yeah, now you're on to Carolina. Why can't we do that? We do that with fifth-string wide receivers and four-string linebackers. Bring in Hugh Jackson. Give me the cues for what Baker's looking at here. Break down the best way to block Miles Garrett. Is that crazy? I mean, it's it's not actually. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I I know there is some legitimacy that it's. I guess it's like you know, it's the code. Every that's not protocol. Don't uh, give away my secrets. It takes me back to a little movie called Billy Madison. Oh, let's and hear how you business weave this ethics. Okay, <laughs> the thing about business ethics is uh, the thing about business ethics is. <laughs> Glad I called that guy business ethics. There was a little dog, and he went into the forest. <laughs> You have wasted our time. Um, one other thing. So you're just going to dismiss it? No. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think like it actually is a good thought. Right. And why couldn't you pay him to be a we consultant? We bring in Chip Kelly in the right. offseason to learn hurry up offense. Right. Why don't we bring in a Hugh Jackson for a quick now, debrief now, for the most, Browns offense? Most teams are going to look at the Browns and go, we don't need Hugh to beat them. <laughs> We're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the other part of it. Uh, but it is an interesting thought. You're right. I mean, I don't know why. You're right. Well, you can sign the guys off the practice squad in the fourth corner to bring you bring them in to get a look into somebody else's playbook or a check or whatever it is. Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? That's actually not out of that far left co field there. Thank you. Also, out of the left co infield. Out mm. of the left co infield. Also, like, I just that's the Jerry thing. One more thing. Just come out and say you're gonna ex- what? Like what? You're gonna extend Dak Prescott? <sighs> Like Dak Prescott is not worthy of an extension right now. First, like, Dak Prescott's going to have to go to year four next year and still prove it, at least to me. Again, hey, I see some How good... How is it so good that first year and so rough right now? Because that was like one of the greatest running teams that we can point to in recent history. I mean, that was... Mm. They were like a slam dunk guarantee to go... Well, we're going to whoop your ass up front, and gonna Zeke's going to pile drive his way through there, and he'll break one eventually. And then Dak, yeah. you need to hit four 50-50 balls Exactly. Today. And yeah. by the way, you got a Dez and Jason Witten. Right, and all just that's all it came down to. So, yeah, but I mean, that, that to me was a little bit of a crazy comment, too. Like, again, mm. that's not what a head coach should be doing or a leader of an organization at no. this point. You know, I, I think, look at the Cowboys and go, you know, they should be in the mix for – 
guys that are to bring in there next year. The Joe Flacco's, the Jameis Winston's. Like that should be like you can't Jameis just, Winston on the Cowboys you can't, would be the most ridiculous thing of all you, time. I just as it looks right now, and if Dak has an awesome end of the year here, then I will certainly take back what I say and go, no, Dak proved to me he's the guy and they go in with him next year. But the way things look right now, I go, hmm, it's just too inconsistent. There's too many dumb mistakes, bad decisions, slam dunk like should be completions that are missed. And they either got to bring somebody in to compete with him mm. and to have like a poker in his ass a little bit just to drive him or or even move on. I don't know. Jerry, though, mm-hmm. likes coaches that aren't going to chap his ass. He likes quarterbacks that are going to kiss it. And Dak has done an amazing job at becoming best friends with Jerry Jones. Yeah. And that's a testament to him. Yeah. Whoa. One, guy, one guy that might not be coming back at all, apparently, is Le'Veon Bell. Hmm. The Athletic apparently found a new clause in the CBA in which Le'Veon Bell does not have to come back this year, and it still counts as a year towards his free agency. I don't know how one week before week 10, a new clause is discovered in a contract. It's all about the language in within it. I've read some of the language. Do you know like, how many nerds in media there are yeah. from your other co-host, Mike Florio, right. to the Andrew Brands of the world that their entire job description is, I'm a former lawyer. I'm diving into a contract to provide content for the masses. Yeah. How is it not going discovered until now? No, Florio's been ra- You got. I'll give Florio. Okay, no, please. Florio's been raising the question. Oh, I'm not taking shots at them. No, I'm, just, right. I'm, I'm blown away at Florio's it. been raising the question that this, this, there could be a fight brewing here because the language is, um, you know, soft, for lack of a better phrase. Where soft language. You know, where Same there's, fantasy it can team. be interm- interm- interpreted like two different ways, where I guess it's a little finicky yeah. as far as saying, yeah, he should still be able to uh, – yeah. You know, be a free agent after next year, but there's also a little bit there that's like, oh, he should be able to get what franchise tagged again under the quarterback number. It's a little right. bit wishy washy there, where it seems like they're going to have to bring a third party in to kind well, of clean it up. Le'Veon was seen in Pittsburgh playing Open. pickup basketball. Right. I want him to come back because of what we talked about on Monday yeah. to be great. I will be shocked if he doesn't come back. So, but here's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. We talked for three years, Sims, about a player sitting out a franchise tag for 10 weeks. It's been our dream. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell did it. Yep. And I want to do not a self-scout, but an analysis of we've talked about this for three years. It finally happened. Mm -hmm. What was the experience like? Right. Looking at the media, Mm -hmm. a lot of people turned on Le'Veon. The team turn. So let's just remove Le'Veon and just say player A. Yeah. Player A sat out 10 weeks. Yep. It started off with his teammates calling him out. His coach has come out and said, and this is a very players friendly coach, mm-hmm. came out and said, I want volunteers, not hostages. The media kept going. We went through a, pl- a, a, a long period, I think we're still in it, where we looked at his backup, and because he was serviceable, we said, we don't need this guy anymore. We have him. So we, we, we degraded his impact. And I would even say that the most player-friendly show, us, we even turned on Le'Veon for a little bit. I just think it's interesting that... Here we have a guy that's trying to maximize, and so many levels, people did attack him in that 10-week span. 
And it's just interesting. Like, this is what we wanted someone to do. Mm -hmm. And even us, we got a little bit annoyed because a little bit, we want him to come back. Yeah. And then also, you know, when someone's sitting out for money reasons, it's really easy to call them greedy. Yeah. Really easy to call them. I don't think we ever call them greedy or anything like that. I don't think we ever crossed the line and just going, we wanted them back just because we wanted them back and we like them yeah. like Pittsburgh. But and... what did you learn about a player sitting out 10 weeks? Well, I learned that, first of all, everybody has their own agenda that has nothing to do with them. So shut up. That's what do you what I mean learned. by that? Like, oh, well, I think he should, he should. he's being selfish. He should shut up. You're not the guy. This is his you life. You probably drafted him in fantasy. He, or this is his life. And you haven't played running back in the NFL. And this is what he felt was best to further his career and secure some money. So as much as we want to get frustrated about all that, you know, I just think we've, um, you know, there's too many other elements there that are at play that people aren't being realistic about. You know, hey, yeah, the Pittsburgh got away with it. Why? Okay, because Pittsburgh's really good. Nobody makes up, one player does not make up a team on any team other than number 12 in Green Bay. Like, really, that's, that's all I can really say about it. It's a team sport. Okay, yeah, they have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster and a great offensive line and all of that. So they've been able to weather the storm there because of that other talent there. You know, and that has helped kind of turn the tide against him. Like, oh, see, you're not that special. Yes. James Conner's just as good. No, he's not. I don't give a damn what you say. He's not as good as Le'Veon Bell. He's real good. So I want to say this. Yeah. This is what I realized. Mm-hmm. We have seen a lot of holdouts. The only holdout in the NFL that I believe actually worked was the referees. Cam Chancellor didn't get as much money as he should have. Yeah. The preseason ones, those aren't really holdouts. Uh, Larry Johnson back in Kansas City did get a good contract. But the only Aaron one... Aaron Donald? You're not counting because it was preseason. He didn't, he didn't miss any regular season games. Emmett Smith got what he got wanted back in the day. But I was going to say, though, the only time that I felt like America didn't villainize someone, but instead said, we need them back, was the fucking referees. Yeah. That was the only time where we had sympathy. And we're like, see, see. Every other time they're like, this guy's selfish, or this guy could do it just as well, or blah, blah, blah. But you couldn't deny it with the referees, because the guy, because Russell Wilson threw an interception on national TV, and they gave it a Hail Mary touchdown. Yeah. And that was it, where, like, what but we're saying. But even Cam Chancellor, like, the Seahawks secondary got torn up those first two games. They did, right. You're right. But it never got to the point where they were like, oh, they're screwed without him. Like, it just never went there, even but though I've we never knew he heard was missing one time where people went the referees are selfish no you're right i never did either i never heard that no it never happens it doesn't right. ever seem to happen well, i think it's kind of cool that we talked about something for like three four years yeah. and it actually happened it i happened. didn't know i never we thought wanted this- von miller to do it yes. he sounded like he was ready to do it and he got like 50 million guaranteed yeah, well then they realized damn our defense is really going to be in trouble without him yeah i just uh levy props to you for doing it yeah uh whether or not it was the right decision, we'll learn in free agency with your contract. We'll see how you do at your next spot. And I, I can't remember a guy in his prime having a year of no contact. Yeah, I know. Even next year, I'm curious how he's going to come so out and how he's going to look. I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back. I really would be. I, I got to think he even thinks that. Is he in the ball? He is in the ball. He's going to be back next week. Okay. He'll be there Monday afternoon. That's great. Yep. That's, really. I see him. I said yeah. he's going. He's going I don't know in, if I can see what's in I'm there. I'm going to be there, Chris. All right, let's dive into the film notebook. Here. I made sure that I really kind of I I summarized all of your notes. We're going to go through the teams a little quickly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Texans Broncos. Go ahead. Texans offense. Yeah. Big things that I noticed from you. Right. 
The Texans' offense is too simple at this point. Yeah. You wrote they need more quick throws. Every pass can't be a huge gash. It's too simple for when they play uh, good defenses. They need more pick plays. The Broncos were all over the Houston offense in the second half. Yeah, there needs more versatility, like within the offense itself. It needs more. They need to find more short, easy completions, a la New England with Edelman over the middle, little things like that. They miss that element. They miss. uh, They need more wide receivers. Receiver screens. They let too many times in big situations. Denver just got in their face and played man to man, and they tried to run, you know, an in cut or <laughs> you know a comeback. And Denver secondary is good, and they could jam them and disrupt the timing. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, "Oh wait, I'm ready to throw," and they weren't quite there yet. And then, oh damn, here comes Von Miller, and I got to dance around, and now I have nobody open. You know, yes, they have to. They but this has been Bill Bryan's Bill O'Brien's mo for a while. I, I think so. It's it's definitely like the, the biggest question question I have with him, and I do think he just has to expand more in whatever shape or form. He's just got to give defenses a little bit more to think about. Him. Not mm. a lot because they have talent and they play tough and they yes. can run the ball, but they do become a little predictable, and they can't always just say we're gonna we're gonna overwhelm you because we're tougher and we got Deshaun and Hopkins. You were impressed by the O line again. You think Deshaun Watson is now finally a hundred percent? Yes. But one thing about Denver's D, yeah. you're seeing situations that you go, how can this happen? Right. And the one that you circled and, and all that stuff was, how does linebacker Josie Jewell get matched up one-on-one with DeAndre Hopkins? There's just too many situations like that. Going back to the Jets this is game a, Denver a few weeks issue. ago, Denver defense issue, right? Where I complained about, how can the linebacker be responsible for the tight end man-to-man? But also the A-gap. Also the A-gap. That's, and then all of a sudden, the, tight, the, the coordinator realizes that, and they make the tight end run a route just when, to get him out of there. When your coach is Vance so, Joseph, yeah. who was a DC. Yeah, right. Is that a Vance thing? Yes, definitely is. It is definitely a a Vance thing. He's got to be able to whether I, I know Joe Wood is the D coordinator, right? But they're they're both in this together. He's got to see those adjustments during the week and go. You know, they just got to do it. They got to look at it and go. Damn, we're asking a player to do something that's way outside of his comfort zone and is really just stupid and going to get us fired at the end of the day. We need to change that. You know why they felt comfortable with Josie Jewell? Why? It's a story that we had this offseason. It was a whoa big offseason. Because if you remember, right. Josie Jewell was the one that raised 130 uh. cattle and 18,000 turkeys back in Iowa. Look, the kid can handle a lot of stuff. Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, Texans defense. Yeah, great. Looking at your game film, yeah. you have a man crush on the Texans' defense. I do. Overpowers. You you said that Jadavian Clowney is the best rover you've ever seen. Yes. What does that mean? A rover is, you know, how we watch a Texans game and we see him stand up and walk around in the middle linebacker position, and you're just like, oh, gosh, here he comes. Which guy is he going to pick to run over and go get to the quarterback? He 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 – Fucked up so many plays in that game. I mean, yeah, I think he only had one sack. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure. But damn, did he was so close and four or five other plays are ruined running schemes because of that. His ability to just overpower people for a guy that's not like built like a Khalil Mack, he's kind of more length and, and wiry that way. The power is through the roof. And yeah, he's amazing at it because he has great straight ahead speed mm-hmm. and great power. You also had another compliment about another Texan. You wrote, Kareem Jackson mm. is the best t- 
tackling cornerback in the NFL. Yes. This is two weeks in a row you're right. giving praise to Kareem Jackson. I, I love watching Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson and Honey Badger and that secondary, that's like can't miss football for me because they can do everything. And I just respect, you know, Kareem Jackson allows them to do different things with their defensive front where they don't always have to ask, like, the defensive end or outside linebacker to set the edge, right? you got to set the edge. They can sometimes go, no, J.J., go ahead and shoot the C-gap inside. And, you know, Kareem's really good on the edge. We'll play zone, and if he sees the run, he'll make the tackle. And he doesn't just make tackles. He... He, like, is a heat-seeking missile, and I uh, I appreciate that about him. I want to say this about the Texans. Yeah. Jonathan Joseph has been out, right? Yes. The Texans' defense yeah. has been crushing. They're getting Jonathan Joseph back mm-hmm. soon and Aaron Colvin. Yeah. That'd and when be you huge. combine those two right. with Kareem Jackson and Honey Badger and that front seven, there's a reason they're in your teams that are able to win the Super Bowl. A team that Lefko picked before the year. Yeah. That was a good one, man. And it I, feels good. It's got all the pieces. It does. They're all they're up there with Remember, um, I had them beating the Patriots in Foxborough yeah. when we did our playoffs. I, I mean it's, it's they are a team that are capable of doing they it. They are. And uh I, I don't know. They might be they might be my new man crush. They might have overtaken Jacksonville on defense this year. You love year. the AFC South. Yeah. Last thing about the Texans, D, you did say sometimes they overcomplicate it too much. Yeah. But the comment about Denver's O, yeah. you said Keenum did all he could do. He, Keenum played great. Oh, gutsy as hell. Hung you said in there, Sutton got... is a beast. Yes. You said, though, that Vance, you should have advanced the ball at the end of the game to get the field goal. I mean... Just like, especially the way Keenum was throwing on that last drive. I just, yeah, they complete a pass to get to like second and two. I want to say on maybe the 33 yard line, 32 yard line. And there's like 32 seconds left. Like, damn, I didn't know. This day and age, kickers are just guaranteed to make 50 yarders. Come on. And Brandon McManus has missed a number of kicks. I mean, this just, year. I just, that, that's not acceptable. It's just not. And especially with your team and some of the things they've messed up. I do. I think they dropped the ball He's on the having a few out. more plays just to get four or five more yards. Like, there was no reason to do that. The thing that I want to say is we always use the Patriots as the gold standard. Yeah. They are working all the time. If you're not working all the time, don't be upset. Realize that that's the standard and you got to work up to it. Right. When Aaron Rodgers worked the ball down the field with 40 seconds left and no timeouts yeah. and got a 25-yard field goal for Mason Crosby, that's the gold standard. Right. If you don't want to go for it, that's fine. But just realize that we're allowed to come for you right now because we saw this season what you're supposed to do to help your kicker. And if you're not, you're not coaching. Yeah. That's what you're not doing. I know. Washington, Atlanta. Hmm. I don't know if you saw these news today about Atlanta. Atlanta is now four and four. Yeah. You know, they signed Bruce Irvin. I did. Okay. Yep. Is that going to be a big deal? I I think it's. it, not that it's a huge deal. Uh, this is where I you like You were it. very complimentary about the Falcons' D-line. The Falcons' D-line is, is already got good depth and is sneaky a pain in the ass, especially when Grady Jarrett's back healthy so and Takaris McKinley back healthy yes. again, right? But Bruce Irvin is just like Vic Beasley, 
where he could play DN and be a pass rusher, but if you need him to be a stand-up linebacker yes. and do all that, he can do that too. And it's just so valuable for that defense because they're not overly creative in the back end. And what made Seattle great back in the day was they could send droves and just waves of fresh pass rushers yes. and people at you to where, yeah, it's not that complicated, but you're not going to have a whole lot of time to sit back there and dissect it. Now, I don't think you know this. No. You know who showed back up at practice today? What person? Deion Jones. Ooh. I didn't even know I this like was possible. I like it the way he plays a linebacker. I didn't know that Deion... I thought Deion Jones and, and Keanu and all of them were done for the year. I didn't realize. Just it, I IR'd. Right. I didn't realize. Yeah. So now you got Bruce Irvin for more depth mm-hmm. and Deion Jones, and you're 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. And Fendrick, when I read Sims' notes... Let me just read them all off. Yeah, go ahead. Falcons D-line is healthy and deep. The yeah. D still has speed. Man, they pieced it together. The Falcons are not dead. They have found the right combo of players on defense to give them a chance and to let their offense carry them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I give them a puncher's chance. I do. You thought the Falcons O-line is handling the Washington D-line? Yeah, very much. Which is crazy because they lost both of their guards. Yeah. But you're looking, and then the biggest compliment... You wrote, Matt Ryan is earning his contract. It's official for me. He is a fucking baller showing he can carry an offense. He is a top-shelf quarterback. Yeah, definitely. I just want you to know, Yeah, I'm reading your notes. Yeah. I'm synthesizing it. Yeah. The Falcons have a chance. I know. I know. They have a chance. They're going to be a pain in the butt. They might have dug themselves in too big of a hole. I'm still not going to sit here and go their defense is solved. I don't know if they're quite dominant enough to where they're going to be able to still overcome some of the things they got in the secondary and things like that where, you know, again, I know it was an impressive win, uh, but the Redskins, it's checked down Charlie. It's no weapons at receiver. That was a good matchup for them. Yes, it was. It was a it very was good matchup. run right into Grady Jarrett with Adrian Peterson exactly every time. Exactly right. No Chris Thompson. Right. No Jameson Their O-line Crowder. was falling apart in front of us. Jordan Reed's not Jordan exactly. Reed of old. Josh yeah. Dotson, I've given up on that. I mean, all Completely, of it. Completely, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's I watched Josh Dotson. I go, no, you're, nah. you were a fifth-round pick. It's, it's, it's over. So, like, you know, that was – I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But uh, I do like what I see from their defense. And, of course, it still plays hard. And the fact that they are so deep on the D-line is great. And, damn, yeah. Their hey, Matt Ryan is yeah. officially one of the five best quarterbacks in football. It's every week I go, man, man, third down, he's, he found a way to make it work. Might not look as cool and as pretty as some of the other guys. But, damn, he escaped the pocket and threw a, threw a laser to Calvin Ridley. I mean, he is capable of – carrying the team to a degree. I know he's got some weapons around him, yeah. but it's still, it's impressive what he has done. To me, this year, the last year, were better than the 2016 MVP season. They really were because he's wasn't given, he was given so many silver platter plays with Kyle and that offense that year. He's had to earn it these last two years, and he's making plays that are not drawn up in the playbook, and he's still making it happen. And that's, I put a lot of value into that. You guys know that. If he was playing at this level, with Kyle, what would he have done? Yeah, I, I know. I, I thought about that. But I also thought, did Kyle set up the jumping point for him to do this too? To finally give him the confidence and everything to just go, I can I can well, take all what he's capable of. Right, maybe. I just I mm. yes. But it's uh I yeah, if that was the case, you know, maybe he doesn't get hit as he's about to throw in the Super Bowl to where Dante, Dante Hightower, Hightower and all Maybe the, he know, evades it. Maybe evades it, right. Right, but things were so easy that I just year. want to say, this yeah. is what impresses me about you. 
Like, I thought when we started doing this podcast that, all right, we're going to be a Bortles-hating, Rogers-loving, Matt Ryan-hating podcast. <laughs> you know, because sometimes that's how shows work. Yeah. You go, we don't like these people, and we like those people. But the fact that you can watch the film and go, I'm a Matt Ryan guy now. Yeah. Appreciate that, man. Thanks, man. Good I shit. Try to take bias out of it. I do my best. Yeah, you're a few biased about a few people. I actually pitched that idea to Josh earlier that we're going to come up with a list of people that we're just openly biased about. Okay, all right. Like, I like, like, that. like, I, like I'll just put this out right now. Yeah. I can't objectively talk about Sam Darnold. I like Sam as a person. It's hard. So, like, I have a hard time. And that's just my bias. I'm just telling you my bias. Uh, on the other side, though, yeah. you wrote, Washington is done. Yeah. Alex Smith... You wrote $90 million for looky routes. I'm excited yeah. for this. <laughs> I that This is one where I go, I don't know what a looky route is, but I know Sims is upset. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, WTF. I don't know what else to say. It, it's, it's third and 15, and there's two comebacks on the outside that are open, but nah, throw that inside slant route for a gain of six. Oh, yeah, your completion percentage is good. What's yeah. a looky? Looky is like, uh, it's it's a lot like Michael Thomas does, but it's like the the slot receiver has an option, right? To if he has outside leverage, he can run a slant route. If he has inside leverage, he has to kind of threaten the slant route, and then he comes back oh, out. Post-corner. It's a big like West Coast play. It's more of like the return route, like you saw Amari Cooper run, yes. where you would sell the slant to push that guy farther inside, and then you come out and catch the ball. And yeah, I mean, to me, he just takes the easy way out with those type of plays too much. Like it's no one's gonna fault for fault him for it on TV, or the stat book's not gonna say anything because. Ooh, there was the threat that he might not hit that third and fifteen guy that everybody saw was wide open, and he airmailed it or threw it at his feet, and it, then he becomes the blame. This way, it's oh, it looks like he executed what the coach wanted him to do there. Uh, oh, great, no, yeah. No, what it is here right. is if the offensive line would have blocked better on second down, maybe the third down would have been a first. They down. wouldn't know how to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, you go. It was third and fifteen. What was I supposed to do? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Look Go at the guy, for it. Look at the guy on the other team who, who was 10 for 13 on third downs because he was aggressive on those plays. And this is a perfect example of why there are some teams that try to win the Super Bowl and there are some teams that try not to lose the Super That's Bowl. That's right. That's what he is. They're the teams that they come out every year and they go, all the teams are created equal. It's like you start off with 400 points on your SAT and if we don't make mistakes, it's ours. Until teams realize that you need to go for broke. Yeah. You're going to be eight and eight, right. seven and it's nine. Old thinking. It's old thinking. I exactly love the right. I don't know what a looky route song is. That's, that's I don't song. know what a looky route is. <laughs> it's old thinking, though, that whole what you're talking about. It's just it, this is a new day, day and age in the NFL. you got to go win games. Okay, so now I need to pull up my text messages because now we're going to do Sam Bradford. Excuse me. Sam, Sam Bradford. Darnold, uh, who had come out, was in a walking boot, and he is not going to be playing against the Bills, mm -hmm. which I'll be honest – there's part of me that That's goes, happy. I don't think he's hurt. It's just an easier way of bringing in Josh McCown. Josh Allen got hurt. Nathan Peterman came in. Nathan Peterman, in my mind, should be saluted. He is the ultimate wingman. No offensive line, Peterman's got it. No running backs, 
Peterman's got it. No wide receivers, Peterman's got it. So then when Josh Allen comes in, they go, thank God he's not Peterman. It's like you have a friend that goes over and goes, hey, ladies, who's ready to party and has got two thumbs? This guy. And then they're like, oh, wow, you're actually sane, unlike your weird friend. Right. That's Peterman. Right. Peterman's the ultimate wingman. They need Josh McCown to be the old guy at the bar that comes over and goes, ladies, I got a 1984 Chevy Malibu outside with your name on it. And they're like, what a creep. Have you seen my jaw? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I can't wait for Sam Darnold to come back. So every backup quarterback. What the hell are you talking about? Every backup quarterback. What just happened? Every backup quarterback is a wingman. And when I say by wingman, not the guy that's going to help you talk to the group of girls, but the one that's going to make you look better in front of the group of girls. There's some Nick, Fol- Nick Foles can't hit an out route. Can't wait till Carson Wentz comes back. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> that's the problem right now at Nick Mullins. Too good of a wingman. Jimmy G's going to come back and they're going to go, oh, hi, Jimmy. We love your friend Nick. Yeah. And he's going to be like, God damn, damn it. Damn. Just get out of here, yeah, man. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the problem. That's why I like I cr- that. Yeah, it's not bad. I like it. The yeah. wing it really theory. Is, it is what the wing quarterback. Oh, quarterback is. I feel like that's what I was for Kerry Collins. Like, oh, you know, he might have missed the throw, but I was like, oh, that was tough. There was somebody in your face, and I'd sell that to the coaching staff too. Like, he'd come over and they'd be like, "What happened there?" And I'd be like, "Well, I saw blah 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 in his face," and they'd look at me and be like, "Yeah, okay, okay," and they'll move on to the next slide. <laughs> like, I gotta be the wingman. Yeah, it's just about being a wingman. Yeah, that's what you've always said. You can't have great backups because if your wingman's too good, yeah, you become the wingman. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. You know. What I mean yeah okay Sam Darnold uh I'm going through your notes here your overall feeling about Sam Darnold yeah after that game right a lot of people were coming mm-hmm. at him I was getting a lot of tweets going man the snaps were so bad mm-hmm. what kind of a situation was Sam Darnold in on Sunday against Miami yeah everybody take a deep breath first of all he's still a rookie uh, you know gosh it's a rookie with a team that is not all that talented around him he doesn't have any threatening weapons on the Not outside. all that talented. Yeah. It's a spotty offensive line right. with, with should-have-been-retired Jermaine Curse as, like, his number two receiver. There, that's exactly like, right. Like, let's, let's do brass tacks. No doubt. What weapons are on offense? No, I know. And Quincy Anunwa and those guys. Like he's just not, getting back from he's, health. He's not healthy, right. No. So he's not doing anything. Robbie Anderson's not the same as far as that threat down the and field. And he can run one route. And what you just said with the pass pro thing, that was a real – I mean, that he had people around him all game long he definitely did and also the offense you know listen i'm not gonna sit here and lie i'm not blown away by it and i also think they're trying to like manage sam too much and like oh sam you know he came from usc and they got the ball out of his hands quick and he threw a lot of balls over the middle that's great and fine and dandy great but like in the nfl making a living like that you're actually making it harder on your quarterback Man, to sh- throw those quick routes over the middle of the field against NFL football yeah, players. People think it's safer. Yeah, you got to be so precise and you got to be able to trust receivers to run routes exactly the right way. And if one little thing happens, the ball gets tipped in the air and it's an interception, or, you know, the receiver gets hit as he's going to catch the ball and it pops in the air and it's an interception. So all those things have to be taken into account a little bit. If Sam called you yeah. and said, What could I do currently? Yeah. With the way that I play the game yeah. to improve, what would right. you tell him? I would tell him, ooh, that's a good question. I would tell him, for one, he's constantly has to stay on his feet. So he's a, such a gift, gifted athlete that I know we've talked about this a little. Just like if he was standing on a clock for everybody that's listening, he can have his feet at three and nine and still throw a pretty good ball to 12 o'clock. He did that in the Lions game. Right, he can do that. And it's, it's, it's a, definitely a good thing. 
but you don't it's you know you, you don't want to make a habit of it because you're not going to throw strikes like that all the time you know that's the thing you want to bring out when it's like oh damn i'm in a tough spot here and i have to do that and i'm going to try to get it out of my hand that way yeah he can do that sometimes when everything's okay in the pocket it's not a staple yeah it's survival it's exactly so he needs to Clean that up a little bit. The other thing I would tell him, too, because he has a tendency to miss, especially downfield, he could throw balls high and over people. He needs to get his front shoulder in more. He has to keep it in there as he's getting ready, like we always talk about with creating opposites, and really get back there to where... You know, you coil up, coil up like you see a Brady or a Rodgers, where it almost looks like their nameplate. You could see the back of it facing the receiver because what happens to him sometimes. And if you're seeing it on video, it's like he can he can be like this and I'll even like semi stand up. And he throws, he wants to throw it this way, and he's like, this is wide open and his shoulders already out. And then his arm gets like this, where his elbow's low. And the ball, he loses his power. And I imagine all of the strength that is only on your arm. I would think it would make his arm sore at times. I because really you're would. taking away the coiling from the chest. Exactly. You're throwing all arm. And then that, therefore, I think, gets him to dip under the ball, as we would say. He dips under it yeah. and loses some control there. All I had to see. Did we get louder or something? Did it get louder in your ears? No, you may have accidentally hit that little knob I that can make you louder. So. Okay. But... Um, all I needed to see was Tom Brady working with Tom House yeah. in that one video right. and him just working on that right. for me to realize any quarterback's throwing motion, like a golf swing or a shooting stroke, can can become over-reliant and become an independent contractor yes. at any time. At any time. And it's just Tiger about Woods perfecting the motion. Yeah. Tiger Woods needs a coach. I mean, I don't know. What else do you got to say? The guy's the second greatest golfer of all time. He's needs a coach. Second greatest. Yeah, I'm still gonna give Jack the the championship. Interesting. I, I was mean, gonna go third. VJ Singh. <laughs> Jack won 18. I know. I'm studying. And he came in second 19 times. Well, that's what's amazing about Jack. Listen, I'm the golf guy here. Okay, I'm the one that when they turn on the match, they're gonna go. I, know I don't know if guy. we've ever done golf on this podcast no. before. Well, we definitely have. When Tiger, Tiger, like a few years ago, we definitely went into golf. Golf. Tennis, they have some similarities to throwing. Tennis, a hundred percent. That's why Josh Rosen, an elite sure. prodigy tennis player, right. even a batter, the same kind of thing. I mean, you don't see a batter with his like front shoulder wide open, like I'm going to hit it like this. <laughs> you know, you keep it in there to create the opposite. Ryan the Howard was super open. No, oh my like, gosh, he would be like out. I'm like, where does this power come well, that's from? That's why he would miss the ball a lot. Chicago's too. offense. Yeah, let's go to that one now. Yeah. Bears offense. I don't know what you're going to take from that Bills game, yeah. but I will say when you win four. 41 and 9, and then I see that Mitchell Trubisky threw for less than 150 passing yards. Right. It was a lot of those pick sixes, but where are you at the Bears offense right now? I, I still like the Bears offense. You know, again, the, this Mitchell Trubisky, like, just waterfall every week. I've never seen a quarterback that's under more of a microscope right now. It's it's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. You know, first thing I'll say to this, just, again, overarching theme. It was 9-6 to six Patriots over Bills late in the third quarter. So, first of all, the Bills' defense is good. I think we all have to recognize that. I would argue the Bills have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They do. So, it's not going to be pretty. You know, what Mitchell did, uh, it wasn't the greatest game, 
But Mitchell has a few plays. It's all right. Well, you, you can say in a second. I was just going to talk about the say. Bills' defense. Yeah. I was going to say, is, oh, one game where they let up a lot of points, Indy. How many turnovers that the Bills' offense have late, deep in their own zone yes, for the right. short field? That was Derek Anderson coming off a golf course four days Same later. Same thing with the Bears' game. Right. So, like, yeah, there was a lot of points against the Bills. Yeah. But it was because they got the ball to 30. Yes. Okay, I'm done. Right. And there was two. There was two. There was a pick six and then a strip fumble, Eddie Jackson, yeah. you know, fumble return. So, yeah, they're put in a lot of tough positions. So, don't just look at it that way. That defense is a handful. Trubisky makes a handful of plays every game where I go, hmm. That was a damn good throw, or that was a damn good run. You know, I still see the potential in Mitchell Trubisky. I am not giving up on what he is as a person. I also like the offense. Uh, They do a little bit of everything. Tariq Cohen is special. Um, Their O-line, even without uh, Long, is when James Daniels going in there, they're going to be fine there. How was James Daniels James was good. He wasn't perfect, but he was good. Yeah. And... Look good in the uniform? Uh, he does look good in the uniform. He's been getting in the shuffle a little bit. They play him a little bit here and there throughout yeah. the game. So their O-line's still good. I feel like they listened to the podcast and were like, let's get Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohn more of a special role. They're difference makers. They are difference makers. And same with Anthony Miller. I felt like they were featured a lot, and they didn't get a, a lot of a chance to to really get featured. But I, I am a... Like a believer in the Bears as a playoff team. Like I don't think they can go to the Super Bowl or do right. that, obviously. But I do think that they're a pain in the butt. And I think they're a team, yeah, to look out for to be a legit Super Bowl contender for next year. Love it. I'm not giving up on Mr. I Trubisky. think there's a lot of connections between the Bears and the Eagles and where Trubisky is and where Wentz was. Agreed. And getting a new system and then being a lot more comfortable to start the season right. next year. Right. Last guy, last thing to talk about yeah. with them. Look, I'm just going to put this on everybody's radar. Look for this kid, Taquan Mazel. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But he's 5'10", 192. He's a second-year running back out of Virginia. Okay. And they kind of gave him also a little bit of a Tariq Cohn role in the game. I like, instead of Benny Cunningham? Yeah, like Benny's got in, but yeah. yeah. But this guy also lined up at like true receiver a handful of times. Nagy, you silly I know, so and he much. can really go. Like, I, you know you know me, I'm just watching the film, and I'm going, wait. Who's that guy with a three in his jersey that's like kind of flying down the field right here? He's open. Like, holy shit, he's really fast. And I was like, okay, Mazel, I don't think I feel like I've seen yeah. him in all year. And he had a little role. I just to say, watch out for him. Mazel. All right. Kid sounds interesting. You know what else sounds interesting? <laughs> Big Phil. All right, Nikki G, let's get him on the line. I haven't talked it's to him in a while. Phil. Two weeks? I, I think more than that. Man. Big fucker. He's just so active on social. He's too busy tweeting because he's running his account and his business account. I think my brother's too doing much that tweeting. One, I hope a lot of tweets coming out of the Sims household. Well, all I know is it's it's we're recording this on a Wednesday, so he's in a room watching film. Yep. Hello. 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 You okay, Adam? Philium, I've missed you. I've two been, weeks. Two weeks. Has it been that long? I think it was longer. I think it's three. I forget every year, Phil. That Seemed like you, a day to me. It did right. Flows by. <laughs> Uh, number one, happy birthday. All right, happy birthday. Yes, okay. You know the old joke. I'm 68. I'm not 63. I don't care. That's a funny joke. No, you know, it, listen, it's the old thing. Lie up. You know what I'm saying? Then oh, lie go, up. Oh. Yeah, lie up because then people say, damn, you look good. I see, I feel good. How are you feeling? I love that. I'm actually 84. You're 84? Uh, you well, and my dad. Sorry. You, oh, shit. It's been a rough life, bro. You and my dad have the same birthday. Really? Yeah, November 3rd. We have the same personalities, you think? 
You both are smart asses, yeah. Okay, there you go. I think that's, what am I? I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio. You, you are. are. We are. We got a lot of issues. Okay. Do you believe in signs, Phil? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. I'm a Taurus. And what does that mean? I'm a bull, which means I'm stubborn and I'm loyal. See, I don't find you stubborn. I can't. I don't. I've never seen that uh, from you. Oh, well, trust me, it's true. Oh, is it there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is he yeah. a little prima donna? Oh, you, you should see him in production meetings when oh, they do. We do the Sims and Lefko show. Be, oh my gosh! Stomp his foot. I wouldn't be told. Oh, oh yeah, and his his upper lip gets big as he does it too. It gets oh, big. Oh really? Yeah, it's really funny. That's great. All <laughs> right. So you're stubborn as a. As a mule? Is that what you said? Yeah. Stubborn yeah. as a bull. I like a bull. Stubborn. No, I know. I like mule better. You know, I, mule. I know you would. Uh, the question is, do you draw mules or do you draw bulls? We had our good friend, Nate oh, Burleson, right. in the office. And I, we, I was asking him, you know, what's it like to work with Big Phil? And he was super complimentary, and he kept calling you the big dog and all that stuff. He did say, though, that you got to ask Phil about what he draws on set. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> We figured. I draw some pictures every once in a while. You know, everybody, they all have their little note cards, especially Bill Cowery. I'll see him look at those note cards. He'll leave the desk, and I'll take a card, draw on it, and stick it in between. I'll watch him going through it, and all of a sudden he comes to my drawing. He goes, he looks around like, and he sees me. (laughs) So whatever. (laughs) You know, it's pretty funny. It's it's a really graphic drawing, and it's not nice, (laughs) but it is funny. Is this a drawing that you do a lot? Like you've got it mastered? Oh yeah, it's very easy. It's it's part of a joke, so I've done it many times. Is this the one where like what does this look like? And you add a few more lines? And you, and no, not reveal? really. Okay. Knowing my dad, it might is it, it might be somebody is it the bending over the bending the, over, over the soap joke? Is that it yours? could be something like that? Yeah, <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that one. In fact, Phil may have drawn it for me. Could, I don't know. Could be, could be that. Yes, uh, it could be. Yes, and then, you know, I was I was uh, in student teaching. And one kid came up and he drew it. I said, well, be expressive. Draw what you want. And the first kid comes up and he draws the sun. Okay, and then it just goes on and on. Oh, and yeah, yeah, I've okay. seen that. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Yes, it is so a good it one. It is good. You know, it hits the spot, especially when we're sitting at the desk and everybody's picking on me and, you know, this and that. So I just draw it and kind of show it to them. The camera can't see it. And that kind of ends that. Man, yeah. they love picking on you, Phil. That's all right. I think you pick on them a lot, anyway. So it's a big. Oh, so wait, wait. This is where I wanted to. I wanted to start because we talked about this. You know, you heard Des Bryant sign with the Saints, right? Yes, I did. Yes. And, good for the Saints. Go right? ahead. What do you want to know? Well, good for the Saints. <laughs> it is good for the Saints. It's good for Des Bryant, right? Yes. I mean, he's, he's playing with Drew Brees, who you could argue yes. is like the best fifty-fifty back shoulder thrower in the history of there football. There we go. Right? You know, you know, son. I tell you. Sometimes I think that you are my son. Yeah, I know. Every yeah, now and then I prove exactly it right. Exactly what I did on a radio show today. Let's see. Drew Brees loves to throw back shoulders. He, uh, Des Bryant can really catch him. Oh, this. Yeah, I think. I think this, the uh, Saints. You know the Saints. We all know Sean Payton. I know him extremely well. There's nothing. He's he's the, what's the old line in the movie. You know the the Russia the Germans or Russians they never do a thing without a plan. Right. Well, that's Sean Payton. He's got a plan for everything, and I know they know exactly how they're going to use him, and that's going to be interesting to see. So okay, so now to further this conversation, I told Lefko, you know, because Lefko was like, yeah, you know, Drew Brees basically invented the back shoulder throw, and I said, <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know about that. I was actually, I said, actually, 
I think I got to give the credit to Phil Sims. Yes. Because I've watched the TV tape in 1984. I believe it was 84. Maybe it's 85 when you were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, right? In that football game. 1984. Uh, that was 84, right. And I can yeah. remember watching, I think it was like Merlin Olsen or, you know, what was the other guy? Bob? Dick, Dick Emberg. It was Dick Emberg wow. and Bob Trumpy or what the hell was his oh, name? It could have been Trumpy, Emberg, yes. But that would have been an uh, AFC game, so we would have been on NBC. Uh, you were on NBC, right. And I, I watched this in the house like, like a few years ago. And I remember watching it and them being like astounded that dad kept throwing to these receivers who were covered. And throwing it behind them. And at first they were like, oh, I threw it behind. It was a nice catch. And then like it became a theme of the game. And they were like, you know what? I think he's deliberately throwing it behind these guys. <laughs> I think he knows that the coverage is over the top, and he's deliberately stopping and them. this is 84. 1984. 1984, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's when it really started. We had wide receivers that weren't that big and everything. So we got bump and run. You know, we'd have those outside routes. So I go, if they're covered, I'm going to throw it behind you. And we started doing it. We did it more and more. And then, of course, then we got Mark Bavaro. Right. And and then it became, hey, Sims, you know, Parcells, why didn't you throw it to Bavaro? I said, hell, he was covered. Well, when he's covered, remember, he's open. <laughs> okay. I, I, the sad thing is I understood what he was saying. Right. And then it became throw it to defender's helmet, throw it behind him, throw it here. It right. just, you do it so much. It becomes nothing. So did and, this start in practice and you guys came up with it? Was it? Did it come from a did coach? somebody else do it in the league that you kind of saw it? Yeah. Well, here's what happened. In yeah. 1980, I can't remember the year exactly. Let me think. Ron Earhart. People were running. We saw the Miami Dolphins run verticals. Right. So we stole that idea, and then we put some. We put the back, you know, the back come out and do whatever he wants behind it. Right. And then we put some different routes, like let's run all verticals. Let's run a comeback in case the corner, you know, which plays the inside guy right. and the outside guy reads it. We started throwing comebacks with it. Right. And then as people started playing more man-to-man coverage against those things, that's when we really started throwing a lot of back shoulders. And where it went crazy was in 1986. Yeah, and in '85, I remember going to the Pro Bowl. John Robinson was the coach, and we had a lot of great conversations. And he goes, "You know, you guys throw all those seams in them. I just, you know, it's too risky, and the way you do it, I, I don't, I can't believe you throw these balls." And and of course, the story goes during the Pro Bowl, he let me put in some plays. Right. So I put in these plays, and I'm throwing a lot of seams. And there's a timeout, and I come over. Well, is there anything you want, Coach? He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He goes. Throw some more of those seams. <laughs> and just, it was really funny. And it's, that's kind of how it went. And in 1986, we went to Atlanta in training camp. Fred Bruni, do you remember that name? I don't. Oh, Fred, great D coordinator for a long time in the NFL. He's passed away, but he was a tremendous coach. And we were throwing back shoulders and, you know, practice against him. And I swear... In one, you know, 20-yard line going in, we scored like 13 touchdowns against their defense. And the next day, we come out to practice against the Falcons, and he's got every DB out there. And they're going, all right, here's the Mike Steer. And their practice, that's all their practices against that. I just started laughing. He goes, I I watched the film Sims. He was really, it was really great. It was a compliment. But he was so upset because he realized after that day, he goes, these guys are doing this on purpose. Right. And... So we kind of sold the idea from Dan Marino, but I've, I've said that story many times, Christopher. I tell people, 
and they don't believe me, I really think we were the first ones to really make it a huge part of our offense. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was. it's really great. And, of course, the biggest one was Vavarro, Vavarro, Zeke Moat, two guys. Yeah. I don't care where you threw it. You, they mm. did not miss it. I know who would have loved those guys, Al Davis. Oh, uh, my gosh. This came up on Monday, Phil. Uh, we haven't heard the official story. I think what's funny is if you type Phil Sims into Google, one of the first things is rumor. Al Davis tried to hire Phil Sims. Well, that's and been out. It know? has been out. And Christopher, though, mentioned the airplane ride. Oh, yeah. I mentioned just an airplane ride. I can't remember what. Oh, yeah. I, we think we were in. I think I want to say it was like Super Bowl Thirty when we were. I just was, we talked about Al Davis and I was sitting in first class with you and Mom and I remember Al was sitting like right across, right across the aisle from me. you, right? And he was wearing his all white leather yes. jumpsuit yes, yes. that had like diamond encrusted things in the Raider emblem. Yeah. And I was just like, this guy is some character. I was yeah. in awe of it. Yeah. Uh, and then we went down this stretch of where I said, you know, of course I remember growing up in Florida. Um, we dad had, we had a house down in um Jupiter, Florida. That okay. right. went dad liked to play golf, and we had a winter vacation or a spring vacation. We would go down there for the week, and I remember like a full day or two day stretch where man, dad is in the room on a phone with some guy for like four hours straight each day. Like, what the hell is going on? And he was, was talking Al to Al Davis. Al Davis on that plane flight that day, we talked talked nonstop. I think, I don't know if we were going to L.A. or where we were going from New I think, York. I, yeah, I think we were coming, either coming back from Super Bowl 30 in Arizona to New York or going out there. It could I have been remember. either one, right. but we talked the whole time, and he must have asked me 150 questions. I'm thinking, okay, I'll leave him alone. Uh, now, what do you think of this coach? Uh, and what about this player? What about this defense? Mm. And he just kept going, and I kept answering. I kept, well, you know, Al, when you, not Al, Mr. Davis, you know, call me Al, you know, whatever. And, you know, when I went out there to do games, he would bring me up into his office, and I'd just go, oh, God, here we go. And <laughs> we would have to watch film, and he would quiz me on stuff and this and that. And it, this went on. So this, the plane flight being quizzed in, in his room, sweating bullets, because I was like, God, I hope I don't give him a stupid answer. And when we, when I was down in Florida, your mom was listening, your mom, my wife or your mom, Christopher, <laughs> she yes. was listening in, but I had paper out. And he was going, okay, you've got a reduced look, and they're going to do this blitz. How do you pick it up? I go, well, here's what you do. Because I, you know, I was close enough to being out of football where I hadn't forgotten anything. Right. And so I had an answer for everything. Okay. And he basically said, I'm going to call you back tomorrow. I want to bring you out here, and I just want you to hang out with me for one year. And we're going to go over football, personnel, this and that, and then I'm going to hire you as the head coach. That's what he said to me. Wow. He's just going to fly you out and then name you the head coach. I never told anybody because I didn't, but Jim Gray – because I didn't. <laughs> when Jim, so when Al Davis passed away, Jim Gray brought it up to somebody. Yeah, well, Jim because Gray, Jim Gray is was like working the... in our group at NBC, and he knew that Al Davis was going to do this to me. I guess, mm, and right. he let it out. So, so, so wait, I what happens? Quiet anymore. Hold on. So you fly out? No, I, I never went out there out. to interview. We did it over the phone and everything. And I, you know, I just I, listen. I you had a good job because I was afraid. That's all it really was. Wait, wait, yeah. wait! But you were offered it, and you didn't take it because you wanted to stay on TV. And he said, uh, no, he was, I was afraid. afraid. 
I just didn't think I was ready. I couldn't, you know, I said, wow, that's some jump from nowhere. I don't care if you, if I study for a year, then to be the head coach, you know, I'd never been on the field as a coach in the NFL. Wow. So that's the reason why I didn't. Just go and immediately be the coach of, of the Raiders. Yeah, well, he wanted him to be like a consultant for a year and be around, and then he was going to name him the head coach the next year. Right. Right. Do you and ever you know, think back? Was, I did think about it, and then I think I was offered not really. Bill Parcells just called me out of just this once. He just yeah. called and said, you know, Sims, you're doing a great job in TV, but if you want to get into coaching, I will hire you with the Jets. Oh, right. And when he took the Jet job, and I said, well, okay, and we talked and talked. And I said, you know, this, this is true. I don't know if Bill would remember it. I said, okay, but after three years, I want to be the head coach. And he goes, you know, just see Bill just goes, Boy, you're a patient little bastard. <laughs> and I just you, said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't want to go and get on that journey, Bill, and, and never be a head whatever. And he goes, well, let's just worry, just, you know, whatever. Of course, that didn't come about either. I don't yeah. think he really wanted me to come and take the job, but he was going to offer it to me because I think he knew deep down there was something in me that might want to coach. Mm. And so I chickened out. That's all it was. I just was ever, afraid to take that jump. Do you it ever wasn't about TV. It was just I was afraid. That's yeah. really what it was. Do yeah. you ever think what if with the Raiders job? Oh, well, yeah, sure. I do all the time. And it was the greatest thing I ever did is not taking it because I'd have been fired. And then I'd have been on that, let's go, kids. We're moving to Detroit. Right. Kids, let's go. Now we're going to Florida. Kids, you ready? Let's go again. And, you know, that's what would have happened. I'd have been on that train. And, and um, so you're lucky, I, I think, Guys that don't play pro football and, and it turn out to be great coaches, they they get such a head start on all the stuff that goes into it. And you know that, Christopher. I yes. mean, like you, you were thinking of going into coaching, but you were so far behind some 22-year-olds right. because they'd already you know been breaking stuff down and had all the mechanics of the job down. Not a 22-year-old, maybe a 25. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, that you're kind good. of stuff. Yeah, so right, right. That's that's a big deal. You know, it if is. you're going to coach, you got to make that decision right away, and you got to go right into it. Yep. Phil, that was awesome, man. Thank you, dude. So I wish I could do. I used to have Al Davis down. I could do. You know, I did. You're, you're Al Davis. One. Did I ever tell you this one? No. I go out to do a game. Now we're over that. John Gruden is the coach. No, right. John Gruden's not. He goes, tonight I want you to do this for me. I said, yeah, co- sure, coach. What is it? And he goes, I want you to write a report on five assistant coaches who you think will make a good head coach. And I go, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, oh. so that Friday night, I have to go back to the room, and I sit in there all night and write detailed notes about five assistant coaches and, you know, nice and neat, and I got points, and and it's like a big, thick file. So I give it to Jim Gray. I think I gave it to Jim Gray at the time. He gives it to Al Davis. Al Davis reads it, and he goes, well, this is just a bunch of crap. And he goes, he goes, hell, I knew all this or whatever. And, you know, I just remember going, man, that's deflating. I really put a lot of thought and work into it, and he just crapped all over it. But, oh, well, that's the way it goes. It, yeah. was, it, it was great, great. Great. He was great to talk to, and oh my God! I've ne- listen. I've never been around anybody in my life. And I'll let y'all go to this. That loved his players more than Al Davis. Yeah. I mean, he Christopher. You were out there on yep. a trip. Yep. And he, hey, he probably said it to you, right? About 
the greatness of the Raiders were always together, all this stuff. The greatness of the Raiders brought me in and started asking me about players on his roster. (laughs) And I was like, damn. Do do I tell him the truth that that guy's not good, or what do I do? I didn't know what to do. It was I'm a young kid who's like I'm hoping this guy drafts me at the end of the first round, but that's oh. yeah he did that to me. Oh, that's funny. Started that, asking me about Tyrone was... Wheatley and everything like that. What do you think of this guy on my roster? And like he was going off, and I was like, damn, <laughs> yeah, Al Davis inventory. He quizzed everybody. So, Adam, just imagine if he got a hold of you, you'd be uh. like you'd lose ten pounds of sweat time he got done with you. So it's all good. <laughs> Awesome. Phil, right, you're the man, Dad. Dad. Yeah, we're done. All right. Good oh. stuff. Talk to you guys next week. All right, Dad. All right. See, ya. See ya. Bye. We didn't talk about real football, but that was a good uh, story. Honestly, yeah. if we can get your dad to be like that every week, yeah. that's all I want. Those are two good stories. Yeah. Fendrick texted me during that and goes, oh, talked his ear off on the plane. Didn't he do that to you on the way to the Super Bowl last year? I went, yeah, Phil. Phil, you're turning into Al. Uh, he does. I feel like his impression for Bill Parcells, Al Davis, and Mike Ornstein is Ooh. all the same guy. Like, aw, aw, aw. He's the same guy. It's Mike the same Ornstein's impression, the best. Right. Right. All right, now let's get back to the film. Yeah. Green Bay, New England. Oh, yeah. Apparently, Josh walked in. I walked in, and you told both of us you really enjoyed watching this film. I did. Josh saw something, though, that he had a question for you. Right. So I saw, I showed this to you. I saw this video on Reddit today of Belichick yelling at the refs when they came over to tell him that he wasn't allowed to walk out of the coach's box, the coaching area, to call a timeout. They were and asking he goes, him. Oh, come on, guys. It I was, was like he was guilting the refs. Yeah, right. he's like, I'm just going down there to look at the formation, and I'm not, I'm not going to call a timeout. Well, and, or, yeah, he said, I, I was thinking about calling a timeout if it was the wrong formation, and I, and I didn't do it. You know, I was waiting. So my take watching this was yeah. the coaching area exists because you're not allowed to walk down the field and get a better look at the formation and right. then decide if you want to call timeout. Right. Isn't that it's- rule bending? If he goes down there, takes a good, nice, close-up look at the formation and goes, eh, I'm not going to call the timeout. All right, so the, what's happening, to, first of all, you see this in every every week in the NFL. Coaches run down to the five-yard line and to call the timeout out to the line judge because there's no referee close to them, right? So, so they can't hear them. They can hear them, and then there's 80,000 people in the stadium too, so they can't be like, timeout! You know, so he... Knew he was in a situation that was dicey, right? right? And he might have been like, oh, I don't know about this defensive call here. If the Packers get in this formation, I might have to call a timeout. So now he's going, I'm going, I might have to call a timeout. Let me go down there. And he's getting down there to call the timeout. And he's getting, as he's doing that, he's going, okay, they're not in the formation. I'm, I thought they were going to be. I don't have to call the timeout. Is so, he gaining an advantage by being closer? No, he's not. Okay. He is not getting an, No, he's not gaining any advantage there. It's nothing. Like I've always told you, your best vantage point for watching a game is 30 yards behind, behind, behind anyways. Okay. Because you can really see how people are lining up, the shades of the tackles, all of those things. So it's not. And it's really unusual for him to yell at refs. I mean, that's about as yelling as he will get. He comes from the school of Bill Parsons cells of reverse Jedi mind tricks. He treats them Inception. with great respect and really just, you be honest with me, I'll be honest with you. He doesn't beg for calls. You don't see Bill really get mad at the rest very much or go, that's a horseshit call or he was he was past interference to him like you see some guys. Yeah. Are doing. He doesn't do any of that. He lets them rep the game. And 
Because of that, I always think that the refs always favored him and a Bill Parcells because they were great at that. They felt like, oh, this guy respects what I do. I respect what he does. The ref in and the video looked like he felt guilty that I'm, he had given Bill a hard time Because about it. Bill is a freaking god in the, fo- in the football world. That's the way he is. Like I told you back at the owner's meeting, he walks into the meeting. There's a guy explaining something extremely detailed. He's late to walk in the meeting. Everybody's there. The guy is making his point. And Bill, literally, as he's getting his bag, and seat oriented goes I don't know if I agree with that and the guy got all flustered and was like and he asked him a question he was like oh that was a good point I'll answer that in a minute and I mean Bill is on another level and uh, he's not getting an advantage though so my take is completely wrong Bill wouldn't go to a Dodgers game in a bye week Bill wouldn't go to a Dodgers game in a bye week (laughs) who did that Uh, Jason Jason Garrett yeah no I I would have a hard time believing that Okay. As much as Bill, only thing Bill I can imagine him doing on a bye week is maybe Mr. Dog Show or like Nantucket, but he's got all his work with him and he's got a house there. Or maybe he went to Miami and he's carrying around his like ninety-four pound backpack <laughs> on his one shoulder. All right, <laughs> so um, Nick Briscoe sent us an email. Hmm. Would love to hear some insight from Sims about the Patriots' defense. They seem to be slowly coming into form. Gilmore, Trey Flowers, easily two of the most underrated players at their respective position. Yes. The defense overall has noticeably played more aggressive under Brian Flores. Yep. Interception every game except for Green Bay. Appreciate mm. it, fellas. Yeah. Um, no, the defense is, I think, as good as it's been for you know a few years i'd say in 2000 just wild because two months ago you said they were in deep shit yeah i know they uh they're just amazing new england they just always continue to tinker and they got a bunch of guys back from injury too they do that was a big thing certainly um i think it's as good a defense as they've had since the 2014 season where they beat the seahawks in the super bowl that year that was a pretty good d that year but yeah i mean trey flowers I think I wrote in my notes, he's got the greatest hands, and Collinsworth pointed this out in the he game, did. and I totally agree with it. He's got Him and Dante, you said, yeah, both have great hands. they have unbelievable hands in the pass rush. You just really got to be careful if you're a guard or a tackle and you think you're going to like give them the punch and stop them in. They're ready for it, and they will do a lot of different type of moves, double hand slaps, swim moves, whatever it may be to get you off balance. But phenomenal, those two, like he hit it spot on. Um, I think it's a combination of other corners who really help. I really like the J.C. Jackson kid. You did. You and, wrote that. And I could tell they like him because they put him in situations where I go, ooh, they wouldn't put him in there if they didn't think that he was really capable there. Him, the Jonathan Jones kid at nickel is extremely impressive. So he does a good job. Of course, McCordy is still one of the best safeties in football. And, you know, Kyle Van Noy in the middle like a range. high tower, right? They can do a little bit of everything. Is Gilmore a top five corner right now? I need to look at like and just think, sit down and think about it. But Gilmore, but yeah, I guess I'm just kind of using that as a phrase. Yeah, no, I know. Is Gilmore a top corner? He is NFL? a top corner in football. Yes, he is. He's asked to play on an island on a consistent basis against the number one or number two. Yeah, how do you do on Devonte? He did phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, Devontae was not a factor when Stephon Gilmore covered him. That's, you know, again, it goes to my point where I try to say, like, you know, these receivers aren't as good as people think they are. They just see the stats, and they see a touchdown on a big game with Aaron Rodgers. They go, wow, that was good. And I just remind everybody, guys like James Jones led the NFL in touchdown receptions when they played with Aaron Rodgers, and then they couldn't even get a pass thrown to them on other teams when they went there. So, yes, that was nothing for him. Um, 
interesting thing that Gilmore did, I thought throughout the game was during in the field for the most part. He and they wanted to play man. He shadowed Devonte Adams when they got down to like the 20, 25 yard line. I felt like they switched him to Valdez Scantling a few Why times. Why do you think they did that? I think because of his size and length, and they are afraid they're afraid Rogers is going to throw him a back shoulder or a jump ball. And mm. Gilmore's a big corner, and he can compete with that type of play. That's New England. They're on another level. All right, so there was a few good nuggets yeah. in here. Uh, you did write the Pats offense started so fast early that the film couldn't keep up. Couldn't keep up. What does that mean? It means that when there's it, after a play is over, it goes to the scoreboard and shows you, oh, okay, now it's second and seven, and here's the time on the clock, and you get to see that between every cut of every play. Well, this was like a blur. It was like, it was like. It was first and 10, they run the play, and all of a sudden it came back to like, I mean, I, the quickest screenshot you could ever imagine. Like the camera just went up and it went back down and because they were getting ready and you didn't even get to see the start of the play sometimes. Like the ball was already snapped and wow. Brady was just getting it. Fast as you've seen the Patriots run their uh, offense? It was up there. Yeah, it was. It's a new staple. Yeah. If you're playing a young secondary mm-hmm. or a young defense, hurry up. Hurry up. It's what they do. He he just he just fi- he's just gonna find a flaw that he goes. I gotta see. Can I feel they like in every big game they just do the hurry up. They do it because a lot. you know what? Who's gonna play to the speed of Brady? Speed of Brady exactly right. It's the greatness of what they can bring to the table. It's either to confuse a secondary who's overcomplicated and he wants to put their checks to the test, their youngness to the test, or they have great pass rushers and he wants to wear them out by running a lot of plays. No RPOs for Pats. They first coach it the old-fashioned way. Yeah, I wanted to say this for a while. Like, yeah, the Pats don't run RPOs. You know what they do? They do. They they coach their team to go, we're going to pull the guard and make it look like the same run, okay? But we're really going to pass protect, but we make it look like the run. Everyone's just, No one else does that, in, or not a lot of teams do that in football because it's too hard to protect coach all the protection that you might need to do against the different fronts with a guard pulling and all those things and still have to pass pro. Well, they do it. I just thought it was interesting in this RPO era, that's how people do their like play-action passes out of the shotgun for the most part. New England's still doing it the old-fashioned way. Jair Alexander is some player, and Josh Gordon is an effing freak. Gosh, I mean, Josh Gordon, yeah. I mean, he's the best receiver on the field. I mean, he is. Both teams. Yeah. Better yeah. Josh Gordon's better than Devontae Adams. Definitely. Yes. Sorry. I don't know what else to say. I mean, Josh, Devontae Adams is not capable of doing what Josh Gordon can do. You know, and I'm not saying it's like like by a long shot where I just go, oh, he's so much better. That's disrespectful. But yeah, Josh Gordon, his speed, his ability to leap into the air, and he has the best hands on the field almost weekly. Um, yeah, he's a true weapon. I mean, he really is. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then Patriots D disguises, Patriots O disguises are unreal. No, D disguises yeah. are unreal. They are actually doing double disguises. Double disguise. This is where I got cool with the, the Rodgers yeah. safety thing that you were so talking about. We've always wanted to know about Rodgers versus Belichick. Right. So Belichick, have you never seen him whip out a double disguise before? No, they were... So what does that mean? It means, all right, so they were very, you know, this. I felt like the game plan was a little similar to, like, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Not that it was exactly similar, but same thing. They were going to do their best to never let Rodgers get comfortable. Their offense is not very creative and complicated, like I've told you, but... They do what they do, and Rodgers is smart to go at least like, hey, this simple, dumb play we got works against this, and I'll make it work, okay? That's what they do. But, of course, 
you know, Bill's not going to let Rodgers just go out there free willing and put them in the perfect play that he sees fit every play. So they were doing double skies. And to paint a picture for everybody, like, let's say McCourty and Deron Harmon are down there like, okay, we might blitz. And then and then right as they thought Rodgers was going to snap, snap out of it, they backed out like they were going to go to cover two. But then, but then when he did snap it, they didn't go to cover two, and they went single safety, and one of the safeties went down to play like cover three or or man robber, right? So they went to that extent to go like, like we want you to disguise, but we want you to fake like you're doing another defense, and then when the ball's actually snapped, you got to get back into the defense we're calling you to do. Dear right? God. Does that put them at a disadvantage? It though? can. It After, can. Okay. It definitely can. Like because you're you're delayed in getting to where you need to be. Exactly right. You're rolling the dice, but Bill's taking a calculated risk on a certain third down situation, or he sees fit and he goes, you know what? I mean, if they got the right play dialed up here and they get us, then hey, they get us. But I feel better knowing that Rodgers is know. like, oh crap, I don't know what this is. And then he might take a second getting the ball in his hand and reading the defense and going like, wait, what? What is going on here? They just showed this and that's not that now. And, and now you you're late to a first read or a second read or whatever happens. And you wrote Cordero Patterson is an official running back. Official. Like it's like Ty Montgomery, but way better. You know, it, it, this is this is where he was meant to be, and the fact that they have the vision for that is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I just think he is like we talked about on Monday. He's like a faster Latavius Murray. He's got a natural knack for finding the hole. He runs hard as hell, and I would be shocked if he is not the second running back, or at least the one A and one B to Sony Michelle for the rest of the year. He's proven to me that he can do it at a like a at a high level. I picked him up on our fantasy team. Good, nice pickup. Good. I hope so. Uh, just kind of wrapping up a little bit since I think a lot of people uh, use our betting show, but want to get this out before the game. Yeah, Panthers Steelers. Yeah. In Pittsburgh. Yeah. Interesting matchup. I'm breaking this down with Caddy out there who's a Steelers fan, and I'm thinking, you know, the Steelers and the Panthers really match up well with each other. Right. Because, you know, James Conner underneath, you get the linebackers of the Panthers that can kind of work on it. Juju and Antonio are going to have to find the holes in that Carolina zone, and we'll see what happens the times they do go man. Uh, the Carolina defensive line, the Pittsburgh offensive line is going to be a really nice battle the entire game. Yep. Other side of the ball, I do think Carolina has an advantage. Yeah. I do think that Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey, if I had to pick one hole in the Steelers, it's that linebacking court. Sure. If I'm ever getting ISO with an Olson or a Vince Williams or something like that, Carolina kind of works inside out. But I do know that the Steelers have a lot of weapons that yeah. are going to be able to run with the DJ Moores and the Curtis Samuels of the world and the Christian McCaffreys. But it's that middle of the defense that I'm wondering. And then it always comes down to when Cam runs, it, are the Tuits and the Hayward of the world going to yeah. be able to keep him in the pocket right. because he starts running on the outside. But the other thing is, too, it's it's a big primetime game. Mm-hmm. In Pittsburgh. Yeah. And when it's a primetime game in Pittsburgh, yeah. I always kind of go Steelers. Yeah. what do you? How does this game kind of play I, out to you? I mean, I feel the same way that the Steelers are, you know, I would pick the Steelers to win the football game. I think it's incredibly close. I think this Panther offense will really test this Pittsburgh defense. This will be the biggest test they've had for since maybe Kansas City, if maybe I'm missing somebody in there. But I think so, as a complete. Cincinnati? Yeah, I think this is a tougher offense because of the cam, because of the... Um, you know, 
I don't. I would be shocked if the Pittsburgh Steelers can just simply overpower Carolina up front, mm. like they've done. Carolina is pretty good at. They got some big, strong guys who can hold their ground. Um, but I think because it is in Pittsburgh, I have a hard time also thinking that Carolina's pass rush can get home against Big Ben and them. That yeah, they win a. 23 20, 24 21, 23 21 type of football game. That's how I would envision it going. You think it's going to be close? Though? I do. I, I mean, I would not be shocked if Carolina, like, if I'm a better and everybody's listening for that aspect, I would say don't bet on this game. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, it can go either way. These teams are very good and they have a lot of similarities and playing style that's similar as far as they kind of want to be the more physical bullies on the team. And they both have quarterbacks who it doesn't matter if they're home or on the road or on planet Mars. They're not going to be like worried about the atmosphere around them. I just think my issue with the Steelers is I don't really see the great cover linebackers. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about McCaffrey and all those guys I, back I think there. That's a real question. My only up. question would be is are we using the Edmonds of the world and the secondary athletes that you talked about on Monday yeah, right. to cover those guys? Yeah, they, they could. You know, I think more than not, they can't live in man to man. How does Ben do against the zone defense? Pretty damn good. Really? I mean, Ben is like like Cam and Carson Wentz. They are just unfazed by people around them. They're unfazed. It doesn't matter. Oh, you're on my back. I don't care. I could still throw that in cut. Yeah. You know, they're just it's, so nothing intimidates them that way. Mm. Where it's just it never matters. Um, but yeah, I think maybe because of somewhat of the simplicity of Carolina's defense a little too that I got to give the advantage to Pittsburgh, but. I'm, this is my favorite Thursday night matchup of the year so far, for sure. Other than Nick Mullins against the Raiders, for <laughs> yeah. sure. That you was, didn't enjoy Giants Eagles? That was a doozy. Oh, that one was great. It was cool because we got to see Carson get back in the in the fold, and Falcons Eagles was good. Rams Rams uh, Minnesota. Minnesota was good. That too. was the the Thursday of the year so far. Yeah, it was. It's the best. Let's one just of the say year. that was the first. That was the only time me and Josh have watched a few Thursday nights together. Right. You're too cool for school. Uh, that one we actually went out for. Right. I think we're going to go out for this Thursday, too. Okay. Well, when I don't have a Notre Dame week, maybe I'll do that with you guys soon. It'll be fun. Yeah. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Go get some uh, well-done steaks and watch Ooh, the game. Ooh, that Yay. sounds good. Uh, Fendrick would say... Good evening, everybody. And the L-E-F-K-O-E... Man. ...will say, I need to make better bets. Ha, ha, ha. The Sims gap has widened. Ooh, it's I, big. I cannot allow this to be the year uh. you finally beat me. <laughs> I'm going to study up hard tonight. All right, go for All it. All right, see you guys later. Holla, 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 holla.